0: Welcome episode 136, Hello Bass, Bass Fishing Podcast, and today, special guest to end 2022. Yes, somehow, someway, this is the last episode of 2022, so happy new year, depending on when you're listening to this. And we have Tyler Berger from Bass Fishing HQ YouTube channel, and uh, we just kind of hang out, talk, and answer a bunch of viewer questions on the live YouTube, and it turns out to be a pretty good conversation. So enjoy the episode. This week's podcast is, as always, brought to you by Arsenal Fishing in a special, special promo. They're extending the Cyber Week to the Cyber Month through January 3rd, where all purchases on Arsenal Fishing website will be entered into a $500 sweepstake through January 23rd, and you can use code CYBERWEEK23, all one word, for 30% off. The entire site that includes all the in-stock items and all the pre-order items like the sniper swim jig the new plier tools many other things and all the great existing things like arsenal tactical minnows braid scissors sunwear it's a really good time to stock up on arsenal and if you think of it tell them Bass sent you in the comments all right here we are helabast live for the final time of 2022 that's that's weird to say we only you know uh probably one of the last bass fishing live streams period on youtube of 2022 i to to, uh, imagine and uh great guest last week with brad hallman go go even bigger and uh mr ty berger from bass fishing hq what's up ty
1: hey how's it going i'm doing well we're kind of over this really cold weather i think that the whole united states kind of suffered so i'm glad to be done with that
0: Except for where I live, it's just the first of round 10, probably, of our cold weather. <laughs> That's true. That's true. So, uh, yeah, let us know in the chat. Make sure uh, we sound and look good, and we'll keep rolling here. Um, <clears throat> no real agenda tonight. Just going to hang out, talk fishing, uh, answer a bunch of questions, see where the night takes us. No real big agenda. Uh, I tried to give the, uh, the vague... Uh, catchy title to do it justice because Ty is one of the the masters at writing good titles for uh, fishing content.
1: <laughs> I don't know about that, <clears throat> but you know how it is. You got to do that kind of stuff. Curiosity earns the click, right? <clears throat> yeah, that's right. We're we're already seeing some uh, oh no no beard comments <laughs> here. Wow, look at this! I mean, that's
0: beautiful. January in the 40s, <clears throat> that's what we call March. <clears throat> <laughs> what's up, Frank? Joining, joining team uh, Hella. Up, that's man? awesome, much appreciated. We'll give uh, make sure Frank gets his welcome. You know, one of us, one of us. Good to see Frank. Awesome. <laughs> um, <clears throat> let's see here. Yeah, it was weird because I t- tuned into Tacklecraft and he trimmed his ear. So, no bet. I just uh. It was refreshing, <clears throat> gonna be in Jamaica in a few weeks, uh, with the wife. So <clears throat> we cleaned it up, and it actually went uh, the barber got a little more aggressive than I wanted, went a little shorter, but we'll grant we'll grow it out. <clears throat> but uh, we'll call it a, a, a reboot for 2023. There you go.
1: Always got to make some changes for 2023. So yeah, we'll call it a new year's Ooh. resolution. We'll start the
0: Let's see here. So I just want to make sure we thank Arsenal Fishing for supporting the uh, the stream and the channel. As uh, as always, it makes it better with them helping the support. I did pin a comment uh, that they are running a Cyber Week sale through the end of the month, January 3rd. I think it's 35% off. So a uh, pretty deep discount here in December if you want to refresh anything <clears throat> before the end of the year. And you can actually get the discount on some of their like pre-order stuff. So uh, check it out. Um, Got it. <laughs> Nice
1: little skull chant here. You you follow the NFL? Me, I I do a little bit. I'm I'm definitely more of a college guy, Um, but I do follow the NFL. Definitely a Buckeye guy, Um, but I just follow college. I I used to like it more just because of you know guys weren't getting paid, and so I felt like they Mm -hmm. were actually just trying to prove themselves. But now everyone's getting paid. Everyone's making dough, so. I don't know. I I'm actually a Packer fan, which I know that you Oof. might uh, not love that, but my wife is from Milwaukee, so uh, she's actually a bigger NFL fan than I am, and she kind of bestowed that upon me. So <clears throat> nice, yeah,
0: yeah. So tomorrow night would have been a hard hard pass on the stream.
1: Yeah, hard pass <laughs> tomorrow <laughs> night for sure. <laughs> That's <hard>. That should <laughs> be a good one. <clears throat> Uh, yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm interested. Yeah, go Buckeyes. Oh, no, I'm. I'm interested to see. I, you know, there's there's so many storylines behind it all. I'd love to beat Georgia. I'd love to meet up with Michigan in the championship again, beat them. But if we were to beat Georgia and then lose the Michigan again, not saying TCU couldn't get it. Oh man, it would be everyone would. Everyone's already freaking out in Ohio, like about Ohio State right now. Anyways, like you lose one game a year and people are wanting everyone's jobs. So.
0: Or the it's flip side, somehow here. TCU upsets Michigan and Georgia wins, and everybody's gonna be like,
1: "Told you guys, the Big Ten's trash and terrible." Oh, and- <laughs> that's true. Kyle says Buckeyes are going down. Yeah, they they might, they might. I just want—I mean, I don't really have
0: a huge rooting interest. Um, oh, I see a good game. Um, yeah.
1: So, are you, are you in the Columbus area? Yeah, I just I live just north of like metro like Columbus, like I'm in Delaware, Ohio. So it's okay, just north. So
0: I'm actually swinging through there for my day job next week. I'm flying into Columbus and hitting up Xenia and Lima, and then up to Hillsdale, okay. Michigan. Okay,
1: <laughs> so, so wait, wait a little bit more north, but yeah, you'll be you'll be coming okay. right through. Nice, yeah. Um, I'll have to grab a dinner or something if you're gonna be around for a while. We'll,
0: we'll see. It's gonna be a fast and furious, but uh, okay um so for those who don't know ty is a bit of a content creator got a pretty uh a budding channel that's been popping off the last year or two having a lot of success on youtube um so what i guess what what got you into content creation or getting on youtube i mean obviously you've <clears throat> probably fished most of your life but what made you want to go through the torture of
1: creating content on youtube torture that's a great way to put it um <clears throat> you know it's to me it kind of fell more or less into my lap. Like I've kind of always been interested in video. Obviously I've always loved to fish specifically tournament fish. That's kind of my background. And, uh, about eight years ago, I posted a couple of videos on YouTube just for fun. And one of those videos was kind of your stereotypical now video, which is top four fall baits type lure, uh, or video. And it popped off without me knowing, like I didn't check back on my YouTube for, five or six years. And then I look back and there's one video had like over a hundred thousand views and I had like over a thousand subscribers from it. And I'm like, man, I should probably start doing this a little bit more. So in 2020, I was still fishing the Bassmaster opens and I decided to film the opens that I fished that year along with just a couple, I think I posted maybe 20 or 30 videos that year. Um, and then at the end of 2020, I decided not to fish the opens. And my thing was like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to see what happens with YouTube. And I'm going to post three videos a week, no matter how bad they are, which they were all really bad. And I'm just going to see where it takes me. And it it wasn't, but a couple of months. And I had a couple of videos really pop off and do well. And just some ideas that I'd had. here we are doing it, doing it full time. So it's great.
0: Yeah. So very cool. And I think you do a lot more tournaments. Like you don't necessarily integrate a lot of your tournament fishing into your, your YouTube strategy now, but you are still fishing team tournaments and stuff at home regionally. Right.
1: Yeah. 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 I fish a lot of tournaments. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of like you, you know, I know you fish a lot of evening tournaments when you can and stuff like that, you know, and I'm, I'm the same way. I love the evening tournaments, Love the the Saturday open tournaments, team tournaments, love that. you know, I've I've been fishing with the same partner for a number of years now. And me and him just have a really good chemistry um, when it comes to fishing, which I think is something that's really big. If you do team tournaments is just having good chemistry with your partner, you know, and like understanding where each other maybe excels at times is even better. So I, I think it helps us a lot and we've done really, really well. I mean, I keep a sheet, you know, I have an Excel sheet that I made. And, uh, you know, like I go through and and put all of our information from each of these tournaments in so I can kind of track our progress, progress throughout the years. And I love it, man. It's, it's, it's team, team tournament fishing is just one of my favorite things to do, but I don't, I do not post a whole lot of it on YouTube. Um, mainly because a couple of the lakes that I fish a lot of tournaments on, man, if I posted some of that stuff, I, I post last not 2022 but 2021 i posted one tournament video on a lake that i fish every week tournament wise and the next week there was like five or six boats all in that one little area all doing the same thing you know so it's like to me i win more money on this particular lake than i could ever probably make putting youtube videos out on it so i'm like i i would just rather not post videos on that on tournament stuff so
0: and there's like 10 lakes in Ohio versus 10,000. <laughs> yes.
1: Yes, exactly. Exactly. No, Minnesota, man. That's a, I, I got the pleasure of going up there for the first time this year and fishing for um, a week. And it was, mm. it was phenomenal. It what was area phenomenal. were you in? Uh, I was fairly close to where you are. I'm trying to think of the name of the lakes that I fish. So if you think of where Minneapolis is there, we were, I met up with Tyler's Real Fishing and he set it all up, which is why I don't really know the names of the cities and stuff that I stayed in. But we were on the western side, about an hour away from like Minneapolis. We also fished a couple lakes in that like area as well. Mm-hmm. Um gosh, what was the one lake that I really, really liked? I did a few videos out there this year.
0: They were smaller lakes
1: or um they, they were out, like sm-
0: mid- you weren't on like minnetonka or
1: anything like that. no i kind of heard from minnetonka like i've heard minnetonka is a great lake but i've also heard that it gets like fish and i'm not trying to go up to a you know travel however many miles to go fish a lake that's super pressured so let me let me look it up here right now see if i can look at a map
0: uh brian the... i would check Omnia Fishing actually has a couple of striker rain suits on super deep discount. And from what I've heard, they make pretty good gear. Um, <clears throat> I'm sure there's a lot of cool ones out there, but as far as one that you can get a good deal on, I would check out the striker that's on Omnia Fishing right now.
1: But unless you got any of the recommendations, Ty for rain gear that you like. ah <clears throat> oh, man. I, rain gear is something that I need to, Myself, it helps, it helps to know what is a reasonable budget for a person, too. Because, like,
0: are you looking for like jacket and bibs for a hundred dollars or looking to spend a thousand dollars? <laughs> that yeah. kind of it's kind of like, what's a good rod and reel? Well, that depends.
1: Yeah, that's very true. I'm trying to zoom in. My computer mouse is a little jacked up right now, but I'm trying to zoom in on the one lake that I fished a lot up there.
0: What time of year were you up
1: there? It was a September. Hmm.
0: That actually can be, if it's like early September, it can be kind of like not a great time to fish actually.
1: Yeah, that's, that's when it was, which is, I mean, I know September pretty much across the nation is terrible. Like even up North, like you're just saying, but that's kind of why I wanted to go up there and like, man, there was a couple I'm trying to, I don't know why this thing is not working. Here we go. Um, And there was a lake that it just had fish so many fish on it hang on by painsville okay cronus cronus that's it <clears throat> smallies and largies good good lake uh, i fished a river that was the, at the head the, the, the rice of... river
0: Maybe. between
1: it was a weird name mm. It was in that general area i don't know my my i'm trying to use my pad and it's like broken and it's just i can't i can't look at it right now but it was it was fun man i mean you could frog and catch them frogging wasn't great i mean obviously your drop shots i caught a lot on that little mini max chatterbait um up there it was just it was just fun it, uh, it spoils you <clears throat> yeah
0: it's usually, usually a big adjustment when guys travel from my area to go down south for the first time and fish tournaments and like go from like because like up here you grow up fishing tournaments like literally if you're not culling all day like you're getting your teeth kicked in most of the time right and then you go down south and you're like you're fishing for like seven eight good bites a day that's like you're on them (laughs) right yeah
1: that's true that's a very good point if you're not culling all day i remember in ohio i mean there was so many tournaments that if you got to call, you were usually doing well. Mm -hmm. Mario says he's looking for that G7 reel. G7 reel.
0: I know. Maybe he's talking, maybe he's talking about Tyler. um, uh, Tyler. Reels fishing, Tyler. Tyler. Tyler.
1: Yeah. Anderson. Yeah. Is that a lose product?
0: I'm not sure. I'm not familiar with. There was a G7 Corrado, but that was like four versions ago, five versions ago. <clears throat> uh, by Arc, he said.
1: Oh, like the Gravity Reels. Hmm. <clears throat> Those are a really good looking reel. Um, I have a, uh, I do all my reels with, uh, with Brewing Outdoors, which is this broken rod right here. Um, mm-hmm. So I've not got to play around with the G7 Reels, but man, I love their rods i i use their rods all year this year use the use them a lot love love their products really good people too that own that company which is what i like about them
0: sure yeah isn't that what not like paul elias and a few other guys pros fish some of those reels right
1: yeah the reels yeah caleb summerall paul elias a couple guys
0: nice so what's, uh, you got any big plans for 2023? Is it just, uh, cranking out content? Is it fishing more tournaments? Like staying home, um, going, doing like any cool trips planned. What's uh, What's all on the, the docket for you?
1: For, for me, it's going to be, uh, maybe switching up the content a little bit. Um, but still producing a lot. Like I've been producing a lot of videos, um, which is great. Um, I try to do a quality over quantity type of thing. Um, But still, I've been pumping out probably three videos a week for two years. Um, There's obviously some breaks here and there. But it's just a lot of videos, like when you're doing everything, like as you know, like filming it, editing it, putting it all together. Not only that, but like trying to make it not only work for your audience, but for YouTube. Like there's just so many things. So I, I would like to do fewer videos, but even like higher quality if I can. Well, well, I know that I can because mine aren't like insanely amazing. But I just there's a few ideas that I have that I think could could kind of change the, the way that I do content, and it's also something that's not as easily copied, I guess you could say. There's a lot of guys out there who are like I, I'm I'm not I'm not like mad sock river. Someone just said the sock river. That was mm-hmm. the one that I fished. Um. Anyways, sorry eighty 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 there. Um. But to try to like make videos that other guys can't make, if that makes sense. Like I'd like to to kind of hit a, a part in the content that I make where it's like, it's, it's hard to copy, you know, because it's, <clears throat> that's what I would just love to do. Like I said, I'm not, I'm not worried if people are copying a, a, a title or thumbnail or content or whatever. Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter to me at all. Um, but I'd like to make something that's just like it. one, it catches all fishermen's attention. That's the other thing is like, You know, in the content world, like there's, you have to really know your audience and and who you're communicating to. You know, if you're communicating to tournament guys, it's a smaller group. If you're communicating to fishermen in general or bass fishermen in general, it's a bigger group where fishermen's even bigger, you know. So, like trying to understand the ebbs and flows, that's what I'm trying to really kind of do in 2023. Fewer, fewer videos, but really. so that's kind of the big plan um with that so I'm, I'm hoping to start a podcast at some point this year too um so yeah
0: cool yeah i, I kind of feel that pretty on a bad. different scale like i was pretty like slave to like monday uploads and then you know stream on wednesday and then trying to get like a bonus video on, on friday and i've really like dialed that back and i've also been like trying to focus on like trying to come up with like a better idea <clears throat> And produce it, you know. And and I'm not like overworked up if I don't get it on Monday. Like if it doesn't come out till Tuesday and it's not ready, or if it like doesn't go out till next week because I didn't have the time to put the B roll together that I wanted and actually like make it a. So, <clears throat> so yeah. yeah, I can feel that it's it's uh, <laughs> you kind of got to blade both sides of it because right, like <clears throat> you want to do it at a level and consistency that helps you grow but you also want to do it at a level and a consistency that you can <clears throat> live with and don't burn out on.
1: Yeah. I see this guy, Illumination Illuminathan asking about Delaware Lake. <laughs> it's a, um, that Lake is five minutes from me and I go mm-hmm. to alum way more often. The only thing about Delaware is that it's a good Lake and you can always catch fish shallow there. It's a, it's a dirty water Lake. You can catch them flipping and pitching. You can catch them on a square bill, you can catch them on a buzz bait, you know, so, but you're, you're not seeing like an, a size increase in quality that I feel like you should in that lake. So I don't know if it's because mm-hmm. the lake is kind of stunted, there's no vegetation in it. So it's, it's, you know, you're going there a lot and you're catching 12 to 13 inches. And then, you know, if you, if you come in with 10 or 12 pounds, like that's a good bag. So I like Delaware. Um, I don't always like to just beat the bank, and that's what you do do there a lot. I I have a lot of offshore stuff there too, um, but it is if if that lake has any kind of color in it, it's hard for them to really group up on that that offshore mm-hmm. stuff. And every time it rains, it gets colored up. So
0: sounds like you need to do a selective harvest video on Delaware. Yeah,
1: there you go. Teach <clears> people video. how if they eat the uh, the
0: the twelve and thirteen inches out of the lake, then the average population will increase yeah.
1: well it'd be nice if the odnr like did anything for bass fishing mm-hmm. here like it's all saw guy and musky and they're stocking blue cats in every lake right now mm-hmm. and it's just like you know you look everyone knows who's in fishing knows about texas and what they've done and it's like if someone were to kind of just somewhat model that in all these different states like man you could really you could really do a lot, like really grow the bass populations, I feel like, and just have bigger fish.
0: Yeah. uh, Yeah, it'd be interesting to know. It'd be interesting to see another state. Like, obviously, we're not going to see it in 40 states. But if another state could do it at any level near what Texas did, and if they started to see success, then I think you could maybe, right? But like, it's Texas is kind of like its own entity at this point and then they had like the whole budweiser thing which i think built all those facilities right which obviously was a a big chunk of cash to get that off the ground um yeah but yeah would it work in ohio would it work in minnesota would it yeah i don't know like would you have that same kind of success it'd be, i mean it'd be i don't think you'd
1: yeah i don't think you would be seeing 13 to 16 pounders like you do in texas right. but you know if you could see more four five sixes sevens like yeah, no, that's, I mean, would yeah, nice. I
0: wouldn't. Yeah, I don't think we're gonna see an 18 pounder caught in Minnesota, regardless of <laughs> how good the Minnesota DNR and the the to be. But yeah, like if all of a sudden, you know, uh, we start to see more, you know, six plus pounder. I mean, a six pounder is hard to catch in Minnesota. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. But then again, I don't know. But like, you know, Texas is, you know, I think. Those states. I feel like the next state would have to be like a, a Mississippi or an Alabama or someplace where bass really is kind of regarded as king. I don't yeah. see it happening in Minnesota where Walleye is king or, you know, any anytime soon. Um, That's true. I know you've been dabbling. i you've done some videos on glide baits and some of that stuff. Where where is your interest level in uh big baits? And do you kind of use it mostly for leisure or do you try to mix it into your tournament arsenal as well?
1: um so i definitely mix what i would consider a big bait in tournament and that is mostly that six inch mag draft um that's a bait to me that i call it a big bait because it's bigger than a lot of baits that we throw it's like a straight you know it's like a chatter bait like you get so many good bites on that it's yeah exactly and it's just it's so easy to throw i throw that one a lot Um, around here. And on lakes where you think, like I've thrown it at that lake I was just talking about, Delaware Lake or Buckeye Lake, these lakes that are mud holes. You know, like if you have a foot of visibility, you can catch them on those and no one's thrown them around here. Now the glide baits, that's a different thing. Um, I have thrown the glide baits more over the last probably year um, locally and had a lot more success than i would have thought you know where it's it's not going out and catching a six or seven pounder which would be giant here like it would be in minnesota but it's hey you, you catch them threes and fours and draw some out that's something that you you know people do a lot is simply draw fish out with glide baits and then go back you know and, and catch them whether they're on beds or not you know like that's that's a big thing too so Glide baits are something that I definitely want to delve in, just continue, Like that's something that I just, I did a couple of videos on it this year where it's like what I learned from glide bait fishing today. And that's just cause I haven't, I have not fished a big glide bait often. And it's just something I want to do a lot, but that mega bass mag or that six inch, seven inch soft plastic swim bait. I have done a lot of that. And dude, it, it, it catches them and it catches big ones. And I love it. It skips, skips like a dream. Skip well. Yeah, most of the time. Sometimes you know they hit, they hit just right, and it's like poosh. But for the right most, the for side. a swim
0: bait it skips yeah, pretty darn good. Um, and then, uh, and you still catch 14, 15 inches on it. Like they don't, you know, a fourteen incher doesn't fit. A keep. You're not deterring many keeper bites throwing a six inch mag draft either.
1: Yeah, um, very true. Yeah,
0: that's see, one thing uh, that I, I yeah, like, every year I like in my head this time of year. Right, I'm like this year I am going to get better at big baits, Right. Like it's yep. like every year on, we, we do these like new year shows. Like what is your new technique? Or, you, or you do a video. Like what, this is what we're going to work on. Right. New techniques for 2023, 2020, it's like big baits is on there every year because I like start and get excited. And then I get frustrated. And then we're back to skipping jigs and, and throwing <laughs> square bells and chatter baits and <laughs>
1: I am. I am the same exact thing. Every, every late, you know, early spring, late winter. I'm the same way. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Then you're just right back into the rut. I'm doing the same stuff.
0: And it's, and I think it's hard when you're trying to balance that tournament life because it sounds cool. Like oh yeah we're gonna we're gonna break out the big baits in the tournament and then you're like okay it's uh 11:30 we got one 14 inch in the well Um yeah the last thing we're thinking about right now is throwing uh a, a six inch swim bait let alone anything uh, you know yeah. we're we're talking about breaking out neds and wacky rigs and yeah. <laughs> drop shots uh, yeah so I throw my mag draft on a Dobbins seven sixty four typically how about what do you like Nick or uh, sorry Ty for your mag drafts.
1: I do a I do a seven three medium heavy, and it's it's kind of like a moderate fast action.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's it's not completely moderate. It's not completely fast. So it's the it's the the Tharp series money maker rod. It's labeled as a fast action, but if you bend it, it bends a little further down the blank. And so I like that seven three length a lot. I, the Dobbins seven sixty is that a seven six? Yeah okay and that would work just fine too but that little bit of length i think does does help i do throw it on 15 pound line which i feel like a lot of people throw it on 20 but mm-hmm. 15 really seems to be i know when zaldane was with Mega Bass, he talked about fishing it on 15 and the difference it makes and i didn't really like do it until until i started fishing on 15 pound and saw just how much that head wiggles Uh, And now that's what I strictly throw it on 15 pounds, seven, three medium heavy. And I think, you know,
0: as you get, like, I think a lot of my, I I tend to throw a heavier line than I probably should sometimes, but obviously, you know, I'm not like young, but I'm not old, but like, you know, being in my mid forties, right. Like 20 years ago, 15 pound line and what 15 pound line is now, you know what I mean? Like, um, yeah. so I think, you know, you can, you can get away with more line is progressed a lot, a uh, lot more manageable yeah. at lower weights, less, more abrasion resistant, things like that for sure.
1: Yeah. I saw, I saw a question here from Chris a little bit this ago. One? He was talking. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was a good one. Um, so one is the, uh, the big glide baits. It's like, definitely not like that's still something that i'm feeling out a lot the other one could be like soft plastic jerk baits for largemouth i know that that sounds specific but i fish a ton of soft plastic jerk baits for smallies like and i love doing that but it's just different for largemouth, and i don't do that a whole lot so to go out there and fish that that'd be something like I, i feel like i could go out and catch a big bag with for smallies but largemouth like i haven't done that a whole whole lot the other one that i don't um probably have as much experiment uh, experience in is just like your wobble head bait like there was like three years ago where i like picked that up and like fished it a lot and caught a lot of fish on it but like we we were talking about a minute ago is like i just kind of got away from it and i don't pick it up near as much as i do like i feel like i understand that bait it's fairly easy to fish but it's just one that You know, there's, there's a video or two on my channel about it, but I don't, I don't fish the wobble head a lot and I know that I should be fishing it a lot more. So. Sure. And do you, do how do you feel like your
0: hookups were on the, the wobble slash biffle head? Like, do you feel it was pretty good? I know a lot of people complain about hookups and keeping fish pinned and missing fish and,
1: yeah. So what, what I started doing, cause I had the same problems, especially cause I fish a lot. When I fished the wobblehead, I fished it for a lot of smallmouth. And so like, you know, smallmouth have smaller mouths, right? So it's, it's, I actually, if I'm fishing it on kind of like a hard bottom, that's not necessarily like very snaggy. Maybe it has rocks. Like I'll throw an exposed hook. Like I can just throw a straight shank, you know, like you would on a, on a swim bait. And obviously if you do that, it's great. The other thing that I've, you know, that helped me is, is just giving the fish the bait, you know, like literally just reeling it. And if you feel that fish, like h- grab onto it or peck on, peck it, you know, just, just give it to them, you know, let it, let that rod load up and really just wait because it's so hard to do. It's so hard to do though. Like, cause I totally understand it. You, you can sit here and say that, but it, you know, as soon as you, Feel that thump. It's so hard not to swing, but that's really the deal. Like if you can let them load up, you're gonna you're gonna put a lot more in the boat. If you can fish an exposed hook, you're gonna put a lot more in the boat too. So
0: it's kind of true even with the mag draft. Same advice, honestly. Like trying to like pause that like kind of and then pull into it versus
1: like yeah. (laughs)
0: The mag draft. I actually
1: I actually put a a stinger hook on the mag draft, Mm. and I I feel like I don't lose a fish. I don't I don't miss a fish. I don't lose a fish. It's I like dropping it further back on the bottom or what are you, are you coming? It's off actually the head coming off the, coming off the head and to Out the off back. The tie. Yeah. I or probably have back. one rigged up somewhere around here. I mean,
0: I've, I, I've seen that like another <clears throat> stuff, like line throughs and things like that, like different mods. Interesting.
1: Yeah. But that's, there are days, <clears throat> there are days um, where you're fishing that bait, the mag, and you'll have every fish hit that top hook and then there are days where they all headshot it and get that bottom hook sure <clears throat> how far back are you bringing it back to like that dorsal or where do you the one that i use it comes about to that dorsal where i hook it in it's right in the middle of that dorsal fin oh, like and it's a there. really the hook is not big it's like a i think it's a six a number six so it's a smaller oh. hook but it's attached to braid um it, that just you know goes right across the top of it and hooks onto the eye So, but literally doing that, like I'll fish that thing around some pretty heavy cover. I was fishing it, um, on Cherokee Lake a couple of years ago in open and it was, I I could, I felt like I could bring it through about anything. Like it's just like anything with fishing. And I I know that, you know, this, like when you get in a rhythm with that bait, you know what it's doing, you know, how high you need to keep it to come across that branch without getting hung or whatever. So it's all about kind of getting the rhythm of it, but
0: Nice. Yeah. Uh <clears throat> Justin, I did see this. I, I think it would be at the top end of it, but you could throw a, a mag draft on that rod. It wouldn't uh especially if you just want to get started and want to see if it's for you. <clears throat> and then if you feel like it's a little you want a little better or you know, more meat, you can do that. But like you wouldn't feel like completely overmatched at all. Um the one thing I like to do <clears throat> instead of throwing wobbleheads is I actually like take Tokyo rigs. Yeah. And put that same weight on the bottom of a Tokyo rig and then fish it like a wobble head. Yeah. Um, Which gets that bait just, you know, two inches off the bottom. And then that that head, right, the the football head is never in the fish's mouth. Right. It's typically so you just when they come grab it, they just got bait and hook. Usually that dropper is outside of their mouth. And then, uh, I don't know, a little bit more freer action. It's just a different different look. And I've had pretty good luck with that
1: yeah no i've i have heard that i've I fished it that way maybe once or twice but i have not i need to do that more as well uh money bass thanks
0: for the the super chat electronics do you use what well, do you want to you go first and i'll follow up my
1: thoughts and what i use um so i'm a hummingbird full-on guy <clears throat> um i i got one at the i got a 12 i got a 12 solix here and i got two at the front with a 360 and a live unit um I I think that it's more important for electronics like to have two graphs up front nowadays, and I kind of like having one at the at the at the dash here. Um, it'd be kind of nice if it was a maybe a 15 inch, but the 12 inch I've done that for years, you know, and I feel like I can manage it good. Like, yeah, it'd be nice to have two, but you don't need it, you know. But I do think that having two up front, if you can, really helps because being able to have 360 in live. Like, man, those are those are two totally separate units. Like, those are two totally different units. I think a lot of guys see them as being a forward-facing sonar. Obviously, the live's live, but, like, there's still so many advantages that a 360 has, even over a live, that it's, like, to have two designated screens for it, if you can, it's really awesome.
0: Yeah, <clears throat> not, not completely different. Um, I mostly run Hummingbirds. I've got two Helix 10s side by side on my dash Mm -hmm. um it's probably not much more inches than a 12 honestly um (laughs) like two 10s and a 12 i mean like square inches it'd it'd be surprising it's probably not way different um but i like uh the redundancy so if i do ever have something go wrong with one of my graph units on the dash right i've got a backup automatically and and they're all they're all networked so i can like do whatever off each one right um, so that's part of the reason. And then I like when I'm really scouting like the Mississippi river, or a new place, I like to run Lake master in one and Navionics in the other, just mm-hmm. cause you get different perspectives. So that's a couple yep. of the reasons okay. that I run dual at the, but yeah, I mean, like if you're balling on a budget, a single 10 or 12 gets you, you know, 99% of the way, um, without a few things. Right. <clears throat> and then up front, I got a Helix 12 that I run my 360 mapping and 2d on. Yeah. And then I've got a 10 inch Garmin stacked on that for mm-hmm. forward facing. Yeah. So not, not, I mean, pretty, pretty comparable. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's even as a guy that likes to fish the bank a lot, <laughs> it's still important, right? Cause even when I'm fishing the bank, I'm looking for irregularities. I'm looking for where, you know, channel swings or sometimes where there's flats, where there's, you know, depending on the season, there, there could be different things. And then even still then, right. In our lakes, we're still looking for vegetation. Sometimes. Inside weed lines, but even you know, you know. And then,
2: yeah,
0: I I love Lake Master when I'm fishing offshore. When I when I feel like on a lake, I start to dial in on a pattern or a depth zone, and then be able to adjust that depth shading. And I think you can do that just about all units now these days. Uh, Lake Master is one of the first for sure. But just be like, hey, I'm catching them eight to twelve or nine to eleven, and all of a sudden, like it's surprising if you like change your depth shading to that, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, that spot looks just like that spot. And then, it doesn't always work, but when it does, you like feel like you are like. A wizard, you're like just pulling up on this turn, a little point where you got, you know, like and like where the green gets big, and all of a sudden you're just like catching them. And you're just like, ah, yeah. <laughs>
1: you know, yeah, um, <laughs> no, that 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 is. I, I've heard a couple of you know bigger time anglers, uh, say it, but you know, we talk so much about forward facing, um, units and whatnot, but really, probably the biggest change in, in bass fishing has been the mapping part of things, like the lake mm-hmm. masters, like that's the stuff that guys spent eons on just idling over with their 2d back in the day or with a paper map you know like trying to figure out triangulate all that kind of stuff you know so again everyone's focused on the forward facing but it's you know mapping to be able to like you can go to any lake you know with with the lake master and be like oh that looks good and show up and you can literally catch fish within a couple of casts so yeah it is crazy i feel like
0: I don't think we're that different in age. <clears throat> probably not way different, but like you probably still grew up in a time where you did start with paper maps. Your first boat probably did have flashers on it, like, or pretty close to it, or probably have been in a boat that's used primarily flashers at some point.
1: Yeah. Um, I think I was just past the flasher age. Okay. Like, my, the first bass boat I bought when I was 15, it had a, I don't know, it just had a 2D sonar, black and white sonar on it. You know, it didn't have a flash me how deep i was going so i would just idle around with it and if i saw something jump up i'd throw a buoy and at the same time like back in the day when i really started fishing especially here in ohio they used to have all their lake maps where you could print them from the odnr so i would print them out i would laminate them and then i would carry that with me and that's what i would like mark little things on it was it was fun yeah there was a point where lcd
0: graphs kind of became popular but they were really bad and you probably were actually better off using a flasher because you know what I mean? Those first LCDs were not not great, but yeah, like I went from like bottom line flasher, <clears throat> front and back on my 19 foot Aries to then LMS 3522 or like the little seven inch or five inch Lowrance that was like my first unit with like mapping, and I was like,
1: yeah, <laughs> my my uh, I got when when side scan came out uh, hummingbird, I got the I believe the unit was a 797. Yep. And it was like a three inch screen and I would run a hundred feet on three, you know, a hundred feet each side on three inch screen on my old javelin bass boat. And that's how there's so you can just like see. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> and all I was, you know, it was, it's just funny. Cause some of the same spots that I found in that boat, like with that screen, I still catch bass on like to this day that are offshore stuff. So nice.
0: crazy. Yeah. I don't, I don't run. Did, have you gotten the target lock?
1: I do not have Have the target. Have you
0: fished it? I haven't been in a boat that has it either.
1: No, my, uh, the guy that I do all my electronics with, he has one and, uh, I wanted, I was supposed to go out with him a day, uh, to check it out and it didn't end up happening, but I've, I have been wanting to utilize that, get that and, and, and try to try to use it. So super nice for them windy days. That's all I'm saying. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I've only, I mean, I only got my uh live scope on my boat in September, so I haven't had a lot of reps with it. But my, one of my last videos of the year, actually was the last time I took the boat out, <clears throat> throwing that jerkbait. Uh, and like video. that really <laughs> made me understand like, okay, <laughs> like trying to like getting blown off the spot, trying to aim my jerkbait, trying to move, my, like, like there's a lot going on trying to, because it's, I'm sure some of you guys that watch this have fished it and know how narrow the cone is and uh it, it can be quite challenging um and and like yeah when you hit spot lock if you have your uh live scope mega live whatever active target on the shaft you're not seeing anything it's you you think you're spot lock you don't realize how much that thing's moving until you put a live scope on and go Cup. like really is it, it's just like and it'll like start to settle for a second you'd be like all right and then be like yeah it's just they all have a
1: little bit of a a five foot or so diameter that they kind of sway back and forth from
0: yeah yeah you you ever do any ice fishing do you stay away from it do you try to go (laughs) what would
1: no i was uh i was texting a guy the other day because he lives um up north and he was doing some ice fishing and i'm like is the ice fishing good by you guys because i kind of wanted to do a video and i already had like this idea for a video that's literally says i know nothing about ice fishing and that was going to be like the title like you know because there's got to be a lot there's a lot of guys that don't know it so i think it'd be cool to do a vlog style video of me just learning what i'm learning about ice fishing because I think there's a lot of guys in that boat that hey maybe they're just want not in the boat on the ice that want to go out for the first time and and do some ice fishing. So I I don't I've I've done some my parents grew up or I grew up with a pond in my backyard and a one acre pond and I used to do some ice fishing on it but it was like, you know, bluegill. So it's I would like to do it a little bit more but I'm kind of one that if if it's cold and I want to fish I just drive down South, you know, like usually if you get into Kentucky or Tennessee, like you're not going to have ice and you're, you're good to go. I would rather do that than deal with ice most of the time, but I would like to do a video that's about ice fishing. So
0: I haven't ice fished in 20 years. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, I actually like, Soby keeps threatening to invite me and I, and I call his bluff, but he never does. But I think it'd be fun to like, my idea would be to go out and, and mock it like show up with like a seven foot rod and sit, <laughs> you know what i mean like that would
1: be that'd be hilarious that's a great yeah. video i love that um, that would be so funny I, especially if soby was there and you were able yeah. to just like yeah that'd be
0: great. i don't so i don't think at any point we're going to see major circuits ban electronics but i do foresee some like regional local circuits Will they'll you know kind of like tiny boat tournaments right they put horsepower restriction and they try to keep the boats down to you know you know maximum 10 horse or maximum 20 horse or you've got like whatever i think you'll see it in some local leagues but i don't think we're going to see widespread adaptation of electronics limitations yeah I think that maybe think it, a total screen limit at some point where it's like, yep. okay, you don't need more than five. You know, we're going to cap it at five. or We're going to cap it at 200 inches or something yeah. like that. But
1: that's exactly nothing. what I was going to say is that I don't, they won't, I not a high level league. Definitely. I mean, hummingbird, Lowrance Garmin, they're all supporters of the big leagues, you know? And so there's definitely no way that that would happen, but to have a, a minimum restriction, or a maximum restriction of inches or whatever, yeah, I could possibly see that happening, like you're saying. Yeah. And
0: then That's there's somebody. the people that say they're ice fishing and they're really just getting away from their family and wives. <clears throat>
1: <laughs> Miss the flag. Pass out <laughs> falling off. That's great.
0: Uh South Jersey. He loves in some some JDM. Is there anything uh do you dabble with the JDM? Do you think it makes a difference? Yes. I mean, obviously you fish some lakes that are pretty high pressure in Ohio. Yeah. Um, do you think that stuff matters much? Or?
1: Yeah, I do. I um, The thing about a lot of JDM soft plastics, I will tell you, is that most of them are, are very good action-wise, but they are not very durable. Almost all of them are not very durable. But I was fishing with, I forget the name of the brand. I think it may have been Jackal. It was a Honey Nugget. Is the, is the JDM product. And I was flipping it like you would a beaver. And I caught fish, like I was catching fish really consistently this one day fishing this JDM Honey Nugget bait. I ran out of them and I put on the same color beaver style bait. And they're very similar except for, you know, the the Honey Nugget's a wider bait. It's more bluegill profiled. And it, it, it was like a light switch. As soon as I went to just your standard 4.25 inch beaver, I stopped getting bites. And so... There's a trade off there. I'm not gonna say it's always gonna make a big difference, but I do think there are times where uh, a JDM bait that maybe has more detail um, or just for whatever reason, the fish haven't seen it, you will get more bites, but you probably go through them. So that's what I've noticed um, with some of those baits is that you do go through them. But I like a lot of their hard baits too. You know, A lot of their hard baits, if you watch guys in Japan not only do they fish for highly pressured fish, but they fish for largemouth in a lot of smallmouth esque type areas. Like if you yeah. watch some of those videos, super clear water. Um, sometimes they have like, I mean, rivers and all kinds of stuff that they're fishing. So I think that a lot of JDM products, like hard baits, you know, you look at like the spy bait, for instance, which it's now everywhere. But when that first came over, it was huge for smallmouth. Now you can catch spots and large mouth on them as well but i think a lot of those jdm baits uh, apply a little bit better to smallmouth fishing so honey nugget makes me think <laughs> it does that's exactly I what i actually think
0: like. that video was one of the first videos of yours that i ever watched
1: the honey nugget <clears throat> one
0: yeah actually i think what i probably watched i watched your bass study the catch and release fish and then probably I'm sure that was one of the recommended videos that came back into my, right. And then like, that was probably one of your first ones that I really watched that I really had like a catchy title thumbnail combo Yeah. where it was like, um...
1: I wish there was more studies. I love doing that type of video, yeah. but that that took me three days to make like it. It took 30 hours to to make that one video. Just literally reading through articles after articles and then putting it down in a way that I could convey and then doing all the graphics. Like, I love that. I love that kind of stuff, though. That was fun yeah. for me to make.
0: That goes back to the, what you were talking about earlier, right? <clears throat> uh, creating videos that, like, have their own style and so much in-depth that they're not just, like, you know they truly are your own and it's not going to be like, or there's yeah. a level of effort or barrier to entry to, to produce, you know, something of that caliber or level or depth.
1: Yeah, no, it was, I love
0: that video. I do think there is some, there is a lot of good JDM, but I also think there is a fair amount of JDM that is, I think a lot of JDM gets sold because it is JDM, <laughs> not necessarily because I think you got to pick and choose your battles in the JDM. So, Um, I mean, yeah, what's not, what's not to love about Jackal.
1: I am a big Jackal fan. Yeah. Jackal has, they just have good, unique products. Someone else put the bounty fish. That was one of my favorite videos that I did. And that bait, man, that was the first one I ever did that involved a Jackal bait. And then Jackal Mm -hmm. contacted me like the next day and sent me a bunch of stuff and um they also uh or there was a company in japan that reached out to me and said hey we sold out of all of our jackals or all of our bounty fishes and then they wanted to partner with me as well and Mm -hmm. i've kind of been on and off partnered with them ever since but um i do like jackal baits they do have some really good stuff unique
0: except for eventually Jackal has a really good habit of discontinuing most of their best baits.
1: <laughs> That's a good one. Like point. the bling. The bling. And,
0: uh, they, had, they had another frog that was really good. And
1: Oh, I uh, forgot about that one. I know which one you're talking about. I forgot what it was called. That one was a little bit more slender, which I liked there's, it there's for a, around here. The bow
0: stick, which is one of their top waters. <clears throat> it was like a big Vixen. I'm bigger than a Vixen even really mm. good topwater bait. Um, so yeah, good reminder from our buddy, Rich G doesn't cost you anything. Go ahead and just, you don't have to slam it. Don't have to either, just gently tap the like, you know, get, set, get the more
1: set the hook on that like button. Oh, geez. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we almost had another catastrophic uh, yeah, failure broke in the, the
1: garage. Tonight. Yeah.
0: You want to tell him your nice yeah. little story?
1: Oh, I was just setting up for doing uh, the podcast in the garage here and uh, I have a stool in which my laptop is sitting right now and I put the stool in and it's a little top heavy and it just kept going and the stool hit my rod, cracked that sucker right in half. Oh, if, ands, or buts about it. So yeah,
0: the IOB frog is the one we were trying to talk
1: about. That's, yep, that's what it was. That was a good bait. I have a couple of those still.
0: Very cool. What so speaking of that, like there what, what you got any uh nugget oldies but goodies they don't make anymore that you just like covet and still
1: use today that uh Um this actually might be one let me grab it right here because I'm looking at the box. I think it's in here. <clears throat> I believe this is a bomber bait. This I don't even, I don't know. This is a cotton Cordell, but this guy right here, the square bill. Well, what was a square bill? You can see it's pretty beat up. <clears throat> this thing, this cotton Cordell, I forget what this is called. Maybe a big O? I don't know. But I've caught so many fish on this guy, and it has such a unique, like, wobble to it that. I don't even know how to explain it. I just feel like I can get bit on this bait when other baits are not working. Now I got to remember the name of it. I'll have to look it up. I know it's Tim a says it's Big bat. O. Big, it is Big O. Okay. Which I think they might still make them, but I just feel like no one talks about it anymore. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it actually says Big O, but this thing right here that has caught a lot of bass that actually won me a junior state tournament. This exact bait right here in Ohio. There go. So. <clears throat> thanks amy we're
0: gonna try to grill it dad bot says walmart
1: carries them bam dad bod that's what i'm getting into right now dad bods <laughs> as in i'm not getting into them as i, I am transforming into a dad bod yeah. put it that way let's <sighs> <Just> put my <sighs> two boys to bed right before i jumped on here so
0: right on Hmm. Yeah, I guess if you guys got questions, keep them coming. Um, so Tim says that's probably an old butyrate big O, so the new ones probably don't aren't made from the same material.
1: That that makes sense because this one is different than a lot of these baits that I got. She she still catches fish. I keep changing go. the hooks on it, but look how that bill is just—it's just going. It is just going down
0: all right so chris russ uh two soft plastic colors to use for the rest of your fishing days what would they be
1: are you asking me <clears throat> mine, mine are going to be get their standard i would say okay go ahead i'll
0: That's say one does. of my colors is going to be either ten ninety nine or Tramp Stamp. So I'm just going to get... I'm going to get two for one. I'm going to get a green pumpkin, uh, black blue laminate as one of my colors, because that'll work just okay. about anywhere. And then... Uh, something... The other one would have to be more translucent. Maybe like a watermelon red? Maybe my other?
1: Yeah. I like that.
0: I guess the, I the th- other th- thing would be is, like, I know some guys really like that, yeah. like you know, that pink margarita mutilator morning dawn. I don't use that a lot, but I know it's popular. And some people would probably put that in, you know, a plum or something in there, but I don't typically do that.
1: Yeah. I think if it was two soft plastics to cover or two colored soft plastics for the rest of my life, like one's definitely going to be your green pumpkin. I would say that green pumpkin blue swirl of some sort. I really like that. And I feel like it's just a tad bit different, although I'm not real big into colors a lot of times. But green pumpkin and then, man, you got to have just your, like you said, black and blue. Man, I, I do like that margarita mutilator. That, that deep purple color, man, that that's a good deal. But And is that a, like a largey bait, a smally bait, all the above? The margarita <clears throat> mutilator? Yeah. Uh, I would say all the above. I probably catch more largemouth on it, though. Mm-hmm. Than anything, that's like my number one—the the margarita mutilator uh, on like a six-inch fat robo worm. Like I caught the tar out of them up in up in where you live on that lake. Uh, Our fish are
0: dumb; they eat everything. That don't—that's—that's that's not even science. <laughs> that's, that's
1: not saying anything is what you're saying. No, no but I, I I do like that's probably my number one drop shot color worm is a margarita mutilator for largemouth specifically. So, And you like the Robo Worms? I do like the Robo Worms. And I think it's because that was like when I was really getting into drop shotting is when like Aaron Martins was really talking about it and then winning tournaments. And so like he was all about Robo Worm. I became all about Robo Worm. And it's like something that I just always carry with me. I always have Aaron's Magic Color. I always have Margarita Mutilator. Um, there's, the uh, Aaron's morning Dawn color, which is like that typical translucent kind of pinkish color. That's a great one too. So. It's true.
0: Good margarita. Um, yeah. And then obviously you've got, so, right. You try, you, Aaron did it. Then you did it. You got fish <laughs> reinforced. Right. Yeah. Right. Why,
1: why change after that?
0: So. Uh, dad says, have you tried the new magic worms from missile baits?
1: I have not tried the new magic worms, but they look good.
0: Yeah, I got some just late enough in the year not to throw them. So hopefully, uh, they look good. I mean, um, let's could take one out for people that haven't yeah, seen them. Say, take take um, them out. They're a little expensive, but you do get fourteen. I think they're nine ninety nine, but you do get fourteen per bag. And this is their missile morning. So that's I minutes. Mean, it's it's, it's Robo Worm ish. It definitely has that flat. I mean, it is poured by Robo First of all, for those that don't know, it's got a little bit more of a segmented kind of like, kind of that reverse ribbing that a lot of the missile baits do, right? Yeah. Like the, the the Twin Turbo and some of those baits, right, have that similar kind of shingling ribbing. Uh, but otherwise, you know, length and shape is actually pretty similar to a, a Robo Worm. And then, yeah, I, I like that. I mean, they are Robo Worms. No reason they're not going to work. Yeah, they're, they're actually made by RoboWorm. It's a collaboration, right? They're, they're licensed and for per- Missile Bates hires RoboWorm to make these. Uh, so there you go. Uh, AJ says uh, he's got three colors Superbug, 1099, and Tram Stamp, which are all the same thing. I could really probably, like, honestly, if I really had to, I could get by with just that color. I, I would have enough confidence to literally throw that from dirty water to clear water. And I feel like, would it always be the best color? Probably not, but I feel like I could catch bass just about everywhere in the country on that. Yeah, that's true. Um, according to John Cruz, he didn't want to do that style worm unless it could be done like a Robo Worm, and it basically, I think they basically agreed that Missiles really good at marketing, and Robo Worms really good at manufacturing, so they were just going to collaborate and both basically profit. From that, I guess I mean
1: that's not a bad idea. I think that that's smart on both both of them.
0: Yeah. Uh, Let's see here. (laughs) (laughs) Dadbat said he picked up a seven sixty two spinning rod. Um, I don't have that one, but I definitely got other two power rods for me. That would be a really like a Ned drop shot. 2.8 k tech rod like anything that's like open hook finesse small right anything that's got like a drop shot ned really small swim baits that would be what i'd really focus on primarily um there's probably a few other you know probably actually pretty good hair jig rod as far as like throwing like the fuzz like i don't know you ever the marabou jigs for smallies it would be a good one for that as well Mm.
1: um that's a technique that i want to Dive into more as well. I've done it, but I don't know it. You know.
0: Yeah, I did see that. Like, uh, Missile Bates is collabing with Hog Farmer for the Spunk Shad, and they they call it the Spunk Shad. They just got basically unique colors for Missile Bates in the Spunk Shad. I actually one of their pros posted about it and he's like check out the new missile bait spunk shad and i was like that looks exactly like the hog farmer spunk shad and he's like yeah they're made by hog farmer and i was like but they didn't really like when they said it they didn't say like collaboration or anything and i was like did you guys just rip off the the spunk shad i feel like they need to like because it is literally called the same thing and it is the same bait so i feel like they should like specify because otherwise if you don't it really just feels like hey we just took the spunk shad from hog farmer
1: but i they think didn't. that's an I think that's another bait that, um, wasn't it Jackal that originally made the eye shad that was just like yeah. that? I think They're they definitely similar. It. I think they discontinued it like we were talking about discontinued baits. Yeah,
0: but I think, I think the profile is very similar. The reason that whatever it was, the eye movement or whatever, right? It was designed to, like, literally be, what, like, almost like a weightless drop shot, like, swam through the water, right? And obviously the Spunk Shed is designed to be more as a, a trailer. Um, <clears throat> but not sure if there's a direct correlation there or not. All right. He said exactly what he grabbed it for, so that's good. Uh, now the questions are coming in.
1: Are you going to the classic? I saw that pop up. Uh,
0: I'm thinking about Ooh. it.
1: Yeah, I'm, um, I'm thinking about it too. I've never been.
0: I've always oh, really? was going to like get there by fishing, <laughs> and after three national tournaments, not quite locking it up and making it to the classic. Uh, I'm thinking about going to the expo, but I feel like maybe I will with, withhold and not go to the weigh-in. I'll
1: just go. Oh, to the wow, expo. you want I like that. I like that. Just a little extra motivation. Yeah, I have been. I went to. I went when Randy Howe won. And that was pretty awesome to see. And then I I think that was the only one I've actually been to. But being glued to my, being glued to the TV the whole time, I mean, mm-hmm. that's how, you, I just love the classic, the feeling.
0: I'm, I'm just worried that like, I'll go to the uh, the uh, the expo center and then I'll be walking around watching live and I'll run into somebody and hurt myself.
1: That's true. I think they <laughs> play it. I think they play it on a big screen there. I don't know yeah. if they still do or what, but I know. the I think they did. Uh,
0: this question was a little while back. Uh, Illuminathan was asking, "Have you have you tried the riser, and what did you think of it?"
1: Yeah, the riser. The riser actually did a full video on. Um, <clears throat> the riser is a sneaky little bait that uh, one of my buddies bought originally. And if you don't know what the riser is, it's like a you know, it's a minnow about this big with a with a you know a a, a bill on it. And it stays on the surface, you know, and uh, he bought some and he gave me like one or two and we, you know, didn't use them for years because they've been out for a little while. Well, I was fishing here locally just a couple years back and I just decided I was actually fishing a spy bait and I had the riser in my spy bait box and I broke off a spy bait and I decided to throw the riser on and it was lights out with that thing. And it was ridiculous. I mean, just skipping it across the surface about as fast as you could and big smallies just blowing it out of the water. And it was like, it was amazing. And then I, I used it a lot. And I, I actually used it down on Lake Norman a lot as well for spots. So the riser is a really good bait at any time, especially like late summer, like, you know, a lot of times in September Those those young of the year shad or bait fish are everywhere. And so a lot of times you will see fish that are blowing up on these really small shad and you can throw a walking style bait in there, a popper, and and you're not going to get them to bite. But if you throw that riser, they'll come up and they'll eat that thing because it just looks exactly like one of those little minnows. And if anyone, you know, a lot of these people who might live in the north, you know, a, a lot of smallies and largemouth for that matter will feed on certain little Minnows that are up here and they're they're different in different lakes, but those little minnows I mean, they are they look exactly like that riser and that riser man when they're on it It's one of the funnest bites that you will ever experience So it's a, you said it's really short and Yeah, there's a, there's a couple of different sizes like there's there's a bigger one I actually like the smaller one which I believe is called the the double oh seven size And it's, I throw it on a spinning rod. I throw it on like what you would throw a hair jig or maybe a spy bait on. So it's a 7.6 medium light power. That's a fast, it's kind of that mod fast action again rod. But man, it just whipped that thing out there with, you know, 10 pound braid. And I do put a little fluorocarbon leader on it, like literally this big, kind of like I do Topwater's. And the only reason for that is because I like to work that thing really fast across the surface, like tr- tr- tr, like literally skipping it, because that's what these bait fish will do around me sometimes. And it looks exactly like that. And if you're using straight braid, that that it'll it'll hang that front treble every single time. So using that small piece of usually 10 pound fluorocarbon, it skips like a dream across the work surface and it's on me, dude. It just they come up and kill it.
0: So it kind of sounds like some of the topwaters they use for like the herring fisheries, right. That are.
1: Yeah. Um, it's, it, you could definitely use it. And Scott Martin actually, when he qualified the year, he qualified for the elite series, 2020, I believe it was, we fished. I fished uh, on Hartwell with him and he actually used the riser, that small version, the O's double Oh seven. And it's, he, he showed it in some of his uh, videos, but he never talked about it, you know, so you could see it, but he was fishing it a lot differently. He was actually fishing it slower because if you reel it real slow across the surface, it just kind of Wake. like goes, just wakes across the surface, but it's so small. You wouldn't think that fish 20 foot down in a brush pile would see this thing. And he was catching big spots on it. I mean, that last, that was one of the last tournaments of the year. And that was part of the reason why he qualified. So nice. <clears throat>
2: Cool.
0: Yeah. Like, would you think it's at all if they made like a really small Hellraiser? Would it be similar in action as far as like that skittering walking?
1: Yeah, kind of, kind of similar. The nice thing about the risers, you can like, you can legitimately skip it across the surface. So like, when I work it most of the time, and I don't think you could do this with the Hell, maybe you could, but I cast it out and I'm like literally grilling it about as fast as I can, and I kind of pump the rod, and it'll skip like two foot across the surface at times so it literally looks like those bait fish if you've ever seen bass chase these little bait fish sometimes you'll see them skipping across the surface and then it looks just like that and it's man it's gosh when they hit it it's just you know and it's oh it's so much fun <clears throat> you gotta put little tiny troubles on that thing though hmm. i think number eight or number ten basically it's and like a spinning round right top on it
0: it sounds like
1: <clears throat> yeah they're the bigger version you could throw in a bait caster i want to say it's a 009 or something like that, or an no 05. I don't remember what it is, but
0: this is a good question from Bass with Big Malone. And I actually, like you, I was just gonna follow up on this. You said you keep tourney stats, and I guess so. Two part what lure was most productive for you, and then I guess like what level are you tracking? Are you tracking like lures, fish cod or is it like so? So, talk about your most productive lure and then maybe dig in like how you know that and what level of stats you track
1: so he has a two-part question here what lure most productive and disappointed so yeah i will i will tell you the lure i was most disappointed with this year i'll start with that one was uh, a popper i usually always catch fish on a popper like all year long and I love throwing it. It's one of my favorite baits to throw. I don't really know why. I feel like it's because a lot of guys have gotten away from a popper. So many guys are throwing, you know, spook style walking baits or, or other baits. And I love throwing a popper. And usually there's a couple of lakes near me where it's, you can always catch them on a popper. You can always do well. And that thing just did not. Produce like at all, like caught some, of course, but not like it has in the past. So, That was a little bit disappointing. And then this year, the lure that was most productive was, um, this is kind of just blah, but it was a Texas rigged. um, I can't even think of the name right now. Uh, The power bait. What's the flipping bait that? Pit boss. The pit boss. And the reason why that was one of the best for me was uh, there was a couple of the lakes around us had a lot more grass growth this year, coontail, um, primarily, and you could flip it a lot of times in, in those situations, I would flip a pit boss a lot and catch them. And so there was a number of tournaments where I would fish otherwise. And I rigged up a pit boss and would flip it. And I did the whole Minnesota thing is what I'm calling it, where it's a braid to fluorocarbon leader. I started doing that a lot more this year. You know, because I feel like that kind of came from, I know everyone's been doing it for years, but I feel like Fighter really brought it on the scene when he's flipping foil with a small rod. And I did the same thing, except for not quite as a small rod. I did a seven foot three inch, um, where he does like a seven foot one inch a lot of times, which is just so small. (laughs) But the pit boss was one of my best ones for tournament fishing. So, did
0: you, so along, did you go ringed hook
1: as well? Did you go I completely Minnesota? No, not completely. That is a Minnesota thing, though. I mean, I know that people are more and more into that, but <clears throat> I prefer the – I feel like – did you have an EWG on that? Yeah. <clears throat> so I, I prefer to flip with the straight shank. I just always have. Um, and I guess you could do a ringed hook with that as well, but I just I just do straight – Actually, I do a, uh, a snow knot even with that. So, hmm. yeah, I, mean, I actually
0: just did, and I actually shared some of the stats like the I made little little pie charts and stuff uh, for the video, <laughs> you know, talking about going extra, right? Like that, making it like taking it to the next yeah. level uh, yeah. and kind of compare it to the year before. I started doing that last year and then basically focusing on not necessarily all my catches for the year, but like the fish that I weighed fish on tournaments way fish uh, and then yeah. comparing that to like mm-hmm. tournaments that i just caught a limit versus tournaments where i actually cashed a check and you know how did that shift um like the tube the stupid tube like jumped way up for me this year and i don't know if it was it was probably more the fisheries that i fished than anything but that yeah. was probably like my number mm-hmm. one like check cashing tournament producer this year yeah uh, and probably my most disappointing bait this year was the swim jig for whatever reason like it just wasn't a good swim jig year for me like really I'm pretty good Were at scatterbait. You... Whatever reason, I just never got the swim jig going like I normally would. And I don't yeah. know if it just started off slow and then it just, you no, know, so you get on, uh, you get certain baits, you get confidence and you ride them through the year and the other ones don't get off to hot start and then you kind of forget about them. I don't know. So,
1: yeah. Was that, was the stupid tube, <clears throat> did you fish that for more smallies or largies or pretty much split?
0: Mostly smallmouth, but I mean, it catches really? them both. What, I don't like them in grass lakes, but anywhere where you're fishing hard yeah. cover, I like what's it. Your,
1: what's your rod? What's your line? What size line do you usually use with a soup?
0: It depends on water clarity uh, and depends if I'm just like... So one of the lakes that I fished a lot was Vermilion this year. I had several tournaments and they were both multi-day tournaments. And it's a super rocky, snaggy lake. It's got a pretty good, like, tannic stain to it. Like okay. it's got that bog stain and the smallies get pretty shallow in that lake. So there's a lot of good smallies to you caught got around docks. <clears throat> so in that oh, instance, I was throwing a lot oh. of 16 to 18 pound like shooter and sniper um, on, a, on a 316 on a ounce cast. head on a casting rod. Um, but like normally I would probably throw it on 12 to 14 most commonly, but still on a casting rod.
1: Okay. That's I I've normally fished it on, probably that 14 or 15 pound test. I've done the stupid tube um, quite a bit, but it just, I don't know. I haven't done it enough to like, you know, like you have. So I need to get on that.
0: Yeah. Um, So back to the data thing. Uh, I basically, Mostly off memory, but then I'll go back and rewatch my tournament videos for accuracy. <laughs> to kind of like, uh, so it's a little bit of memory, and then I go back and rewatch. And obviously, almost all of the main catches are, uh, but I don't keep like an active log. Well, how do how yeah. do you do your data collection?
1: I do. Tournament? I have an I have an Excel sheet, so it it, <clears throat> it that way. Like I can list everything. So my finishes, how many boats were in that tournament? You know, what was the winning weight? What was my weight? You know. Um, how many fish were caught. I like to also keep track of it for like my local fisheries just to see kind of how they're progressing. So like a lot of times in these tournaments, they'll tell you how many fish were caught and what the total poundage was. So I put all that stuff in. And then at the very end of it, there's a note section that I just put in, you know, what the water degree was, what the weather was like, all that kind of stuff. So I do have an actual Excel sheet. I used to sell it. Actually, I I, I I did a video once where I sold it, and I sold several of them. But I had to manually send them out to people, and it got to be too much. And so I uh, I stopped selling. them So
0: you weren't selling your data. You were just selling your template for people to yeah, use for their own I was just.
1: It was like when I first started with YouTube and was just trying to find something else to make money since ads aren't great. So <clears> – <throat> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so I did kind of touch on this, Joe, but set up for the stupid tube. Uh, it's a Dobbins Champion Extreme Seven Forty Three, which is a seven foot four medium fast action. But if you know Dobbins, they're slightly slower than most. What their rating is? Um, actually, it's probably a medium heavy, but I would say it's more of a medium comparing to other rods. And then uh, I like a small, like a size seventy reel for throwing like lighter, smaller tubes. You know, not a full size like 100, one hundred one maybe a 100, but not like a 152 and I'm throwing something... It just seems that those little smaller reels throw better baits in my opinion, especially like I skip it a lot and things like that. And then anywhere from 12 up to 18-pound fluorocarbon, depending on the, the cover. Um, oh, uh, let's see here. Graphite rod... Graphite CB rods for drink baits, or just the regular rods? Uh, I use the the graphite crankbait rods for jerkbaits. So my main one is a seven Oh four. Um, how about you? Are you a glass or a graphite composite for jerkbaits?
1: Um, for jerkbaits, the rod that I have, <clears throat> it's, it's a graphite rod, but it really acts like a glass rod. Like it bends at the butt pretty much. I mean, it, it really has a, a, a slow action to it, but I kind of like that. Like, I used to fish with the, the fighter, um, jerkbait rod that Daiwa has. And it was, it's similar in that action, but it's, uh, the Tharp series. Uh, I got it somewhere over here. I can't think of the name of it, but it's a, it's a good rod. I think I fished a jerkbait with a glass rod for a long time. Um, and it's great for hooking up with fish and whatnot, but, there's a there's a pretty big difference between a composite rod or a glass rod and a graphite rod as weight goes and obviously you know with a jerk bait you're constantly moving your your wrists so it's it's a lot and I prefer mm-hmm. a bait caster I know guys like spinning rods but I'm definitely yeah. more bait caster
0: I hate spinning rods for <laughs> moving baits i mean I, I like spinning rods for finesse techniques but not I've tried to like trying to throw some like maybe like the pointer 78 or 110 juniors and i just it just
1: i'm like yeah i just I'm can't the, get it down i'm the same way and i don't think it to be honest i mean at the end of the day if you're comfortable with the spinning rod then then all by all means keep going with the spinning rod on your on your jerk baits but you know you can put 10 pound you can put eight pound test on a bait caster and and, and heave ho at it so
0: yeah and with today's reels right there's like i said yeah. they,
1: they make those
0: reels <clears> you know <throat> You know, you don't have to go BFS, but you got that whole, you know, uh, scale and magnitude of reels. And there are reels that are built for chucking frogs and flipping jigs. And there's ones that are meant for throwing shad wraps and jerk baits and things like that. So,
2: yeah.
0: Uh, Dobbins Extreme 742, my favorite finesse smallmouth rod. Love it. Drop shot, small swim baits. Um, one of my, probably my favorite spinning rod. <laughs> Uh stinkiest bait out of the package. You said he bought some aces. He can smell them from the other room. <laughs> I would say back in the day, lake fork garlic was probably some of the hardest hitting stuff out there.
1: Oh my gosh, you're right. I didn't even think about that. I used to use the little lake fork, what is it, the, the magic fry. shad?
0: Okay, magic shad. Ring yeah,
1: and wow. the ring fry, actually. <clears throat> and I could remember that smell. That was a, a great smelling bait. Garlic wise
0: speaking of that that does remind me like you were talking about flukes for largemouth magic shad is a good right um i used to throw them a lot but i threw them yeah. much like i would throw a senko right i would throw it out let it sink maybe pop it a couple times repeat like i never i never really got into like using it like a soft jerk bait i used it more like a stick bait um really <clears throat> okay, good to know I blame Bitly. <clears throat> uh... Oh, <laughs> yeah. Ge- geek Rack has. I don't know if it's as strong, but it's got a definitely a very unique, uh, pungent smell to it. But I don't know if it's the the strongest. <clears throat>
1: Um, I still remember to this day, the first time this isn't a package, but the first time I ever smelled JJ's magic. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Man, I, I thought I froze my brain. Like I, I did <laughs> the cap of that. And I, I was this close and took a big whiff. Like smelling never... salts. You just got in there and just like, <sighs> dude, I don't know what I was thinking. Like it hit me in my temples. Like I have never, I felt like my brain froze for a minute when I smelled mm-hmm. JJ's magic for the first time. It was the, I, I immediately threw it down. It was, it was nuts.
0: <clears throat> Actually, we just found the secret. That's how Ty reprogrammed himself to become a massive YouTuber. He's by <laughs> snuff, huffing JJ's. That's what happened.
1: That stuff, man. Gosh. And then we spilled a bunch of it. In my buddy's dad's truck and it smelled for about three years.
0: Oof. At least in a boat carpet, right? You get open air, Ugh. but in a truck,
1: yeah. like, oof. Yeah, it was bad. What's up, Gabe? Good to see you. House full um, of teenage girls. We're praying yeah. for you.
0: <laughs> oh, that's <a> good questions. <laughs> he said he spilled it on his legs. I've seen people do that. Like I've seen it, like where people come in with like their short leg or their pants, or sometimes like their calf is like bright chartreuse. <laughs> oh yeah.
1: <clears throat> back Seems in the like I day really... I, one of the first I've had a few bass posts now but when I bought I, I had a Skeeter ZX 225 in the first tournament I ever fished in it the co-angler that was with me it was a bass nation event he spilled a thing of you know dip and glow in the back of it and I was just like I was calm Dude. about it but I was mad at the same time
0: you are like <sighs> bro come on yeah yeah that's why codes are supposed to use the scent markers. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, codes. Uh,
1: There's something like <clears throat> I feel like
0: sun does fade that stuff though.
1: Yeah, like it definitely.
0: seems to like
1: over time, except for the blue stuff. Mm-hmm. The blue stuff will stay for a while.
0: <clears throat> yeah, that seems like a real personal question, Chris. Um, but uh... <laughs> uh, in in general, most of the time. I always, and over time have shifted to longer rods for more techniques. Um, Agree. There are situations, there are certain rods, there are techniques. Like my main jig rod is like a seven, four, seven, five, but like my dock skipping jig, I wanted a seven. It's more of a balance. Gives me, you know, most of the leverage for setting the hook, but uh, you know, more accuracy, you know, you know, A distance cranking rod, I'm going to go seven four, seven five, seven six. But like a square bill rod, probably be seven even. So,
1: yeah, I think seven foot is like the pretty much the smallest I go with. There's I have a couple of rods that are smaller than that, but I feel like seven foot is small to me anymore. Sometimes I'll make a comment about that on a on a video, and people think seven foot's big because they're used to using the six six or something.
0: But Mm -hmm. yeah, I think I got one six foot eight crankbait rod for throwing like little flat sides and shad wraps and stuff but and smaller baits. but Uh. so back to the pit boss do you think there's a difference between the old
1: havoc which they discontinued and the new power bait I would say that I I'm not the best to answer this because I didn't use a lot of the havoc pit bosses back in the day so i I feel like I more or less have used that bait a lot in just the last year or two mm. um specifically this year honestly i I've always been a big fan of tubes like in general so like I feel like most of the time when I picked something up to flip or pitch I would pick that up and so i I wouldn't be the best to answer that I don't know exactly the what the biggest difference is compared to the havoc one so I know I had owned them, but I don't remember using them much. Mm -hmm.
0: Side note, if anybody has a bunch of Havoc Pit Bosses and they don't like them, just hit up AJ in the chat. I'm sure he'll take them from you. Um,
1: Jason Christie did make a lot of money with a 610. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, so like I said, if you're if if you've got six eight six ten rods and you're catching bass and it's working for you, keep using them. (laughs) Like absolutely. Um, speaking of rods, John was asking about the Invoker Pro rods. I don't is that an arc? Because I'm not even sure what that is.
1: Yeah, that is. I actually got a few of them right here, and they are. uh, I got one right here. This is actually my favorite. Topwater rod right here. These are a really good rod, a really light rod, very light rod. So um, I have been fond of the Tharp series this year. I've used a lot of them, um, but I have several Invoker Pros that I like just a little bit more like this topwater rod here. This is a a seven foot two inch. uh, It's kind of a moderate action. It's labeled as a regular action, Um, but I use this thing with 30 pound braid and just bomb topwaters. Love this thing. Great Rotten Reel right there. <clears throat> All
0: right. Uh, Matthew wants to know, do you ever do any like PB chasing big bait stuff? Is that ever a thing?
1: Um, I wouldn't say that <clears throat> because I live in Ohio, I don't do, I, I wouldn't say that I go just like, Like, I mean, if you catch a six pounder, kind of like you, you know, Rich, if you catch a six pounder around here, it's a giant, like five pounders are giants. So to go chase PBs around here, like specifically, there's a couple of lakes that I like to go to that aren't hit as much. Um, But usually like, especially in the, in the content world, if I'm going out right now, I like, I'm trying to get some videos done and made so that my time is, is, you know, I don't waste a lot of time on the water. So I would like to, to like go down to Texas right now, you know, go in the winter and chase some PBs um, and whatnot. But a lot of times when I know that, like there's like, obviously an Alabama rig is one of the best lures to go chase, you know, a PB or a big fish, like it catches them. Um, You know, obviously, you know, any kind of bigger swim bait, you know, I, like I said, since I do so much tournament fishing, Like I love to, to use that mag draft and I don't consider that to be like a, a huge bait, but it just it gets keeper bites. It gets big bites. Yeah. Oh, would be a great place to, to head to right about now.
0: Or the, the new OHIV that nobody's figured out yet. <laughs> oh yeah. You know what I mean? Like whatever that is, I'm sure there's another lake that's about to pop off that people aren't talking about. That's the one you really want to go to probably. Yeah, um, that's true. <clears throat> I don't fish a split shot rig, but I do fish what I call a mojo rig, which is not entirely different. It actually is, I guess, pretty similar where I'm just pegging a small bullet sinker, you know, 10, 12, 18 inches up my line. I do like that as like basically a finesse Carolina rig. It's good around grass. It's also sneaky good around riprap and current situations like the Mississippi River.
1: Yeah, that uh, I don't know if you remember this when Peter Telvarez used to fish what yeah, he the, called the, the, the P.D. rig. rig. It's, it's a similar, similar deal, but I fished that a lot. Um, But yeah, split shot rigs. I think after people realized that that split shot kind of damaged your line, crimping it on there, they don't use it as much as they used to, but that rig for whatever reason is huge on Sandy Cooper. Lake. I don't Hmm. know why, but like people fish a split shot rig over there and catch absolute giants. And it's the same thing every time it's, it's spinning rod with an eight inch, you know, leader quote unquote with your split shot. And then like a, a finesse worm, that's like one of the big things on that lake. And I think it has to do with being able to skip it under, you know, the cypress trees, branches and everything like that. But it's, it's a killer rig over on Sandy Cooper Lake for whatever reason, like that specific lake. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Brush hog, speed cross, centipedes, little finesse cross. A lot of that stuff's good on a mojo. Um. Yeah, I Or maybe just maybe it comes through the knees really well, like.
1: The maybe yeah, maybe that's. Maybe that's why I remember. It's a lake that I want to
0: fish that I haven't been to for sure.
1: I remember when I fished. Um, I think it, I fished an open there in like 08 or 09 as a co angler, and the guy who won it that year was fishing that rig. But like, you see guys talk about it or have it rigged up constantly on that specific lake. Hmm. one guy was talking about portage lakes i will definitely portage lakes is probably the best lake in ohio or series of lakes chain of lakes to fish around actually heard
0: of it It must be good (laughs)
1: yeah that's a lake that i did a couple of videos on uh not last year but the year before and uh, i want to i want to go there specifically this spring to do some big bait fishing um yeah Yeah, Little
0: Rich says, uh, non-tournament, you locate a monster. Do you limit the number of casts and return later, or do you throw all? I guess it kind of probably depends. Oh, is this a bed fish or a non-bed fish? <laughs> yeah. But I have heard now, like, sure. honestly, I am not going to claim to be a big bass expert. Um, but I do know a lot of the guys that do fish big baits, they talk about limiting, don't show the bait more than you have to. So, like, if the if the fish doesn't show interest – maybe try one other presentation. And then if you're in a non-tournament situation, a lot of times I hear them say, leave it and come back. Almost like you hear what Musco people do, right? If they get a follow or whatever, they maybe make one more cast. And then if that doesn't, you know, go well, they'll like, let that fish calm down, reset up, maybe come in from a different angle. I don't know. It's not my uh, wheelhouse. um, But that, those are some of the things I've heard.
1: Yeah. I agree with you.
0: What's up? Uh, mainstream fishing. Thanks for having me on the other night. Uh, I still use Invisix. I feel like to me, Invisix and Sniper are very similar. I kind of treat them very equally. I think they're both good lines. Um, I also use Red Label quite a bit. Um, and, I, and I do. you hear about things like this, and you hear them from, honestly, I hear them from both camps. People say that Invisic breaks on them. I and I think like at any time you can get a bad spool of anybody's line. So if you do, I would say and now if you're having that same thing happen across multiple spools and pounds of line, then maybe it's just not for you. You know, so, I don't know. Like, uh, but yeah, to me they're they're pretty comparable. Um, a lot of these four are sensitive to backlash. You know that I will agree that they. Will dig in on themselves on a backlash and create bad spots in your line.
1: I use pretty much just exclusively VizX nowadays, <clears throat> and I set the hook really, really hard, and I have not had that much issues with breaking. So, but like you said, any 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 brand of line, you backlash it. There's going to be some nicks in there, especially when you go to pull it out, and it, you know, so. James still uses. A, can you still get silver thread? I have some like
0: giant spools in my basement over here. I used to love silver thread. I was like green, moss green silver thread back in the day. Mmm. AN40. Talking dirty Loved to it. you. Loved it. Use it all the time. Like pre fluorocarbon before, before fluorocarbon was a thing. Although I have started using more big game lately, going back to big game for some of my Damn. techniques like spinner baits, chatter baits. Some of that shallow crankbaits. Like I went to um two years ago now I fished the national championship on the Watchtower River, which is like Louisiana, Cypress, shallow, right? So I figured if I was gonna be throwing spinnerbaits, dirty water, square bills, right? Like I was gonna be coming through Cypress knees and roots, like I figured that heavier diameter, high float, right, Coparo would help me like get my bait through there. Uh and I left it on a couple rods because <laughs> I'm not a big line changer. Um, and uh, i have actually enjoying it, catching a lot of fish on it. Um, and it's super cost effective. So
1: <laughs> yeah, super cheap.
0: Mon- mono is making a comeback yeah. for me.
1: You know, there's there's kind of guys that will use the faster tip rod, but use mono. You know, kind mm-hmm. of like using a moderate rod with fluoro. It's the same result, but you are spending a lot less line on or money on fishing line if you're using big game that's what I use for my backing. Cause I can get 1200 yards for six bucks or whatever. So,
0: and, and it's tough. I mean, big game is tough. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, and I also think, right. Like a lot of us, I don't know, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, whatever it was when we, a lot of us made that switch to fluorocarbon, the rod technology. Right. And like, we were probably using a lot softer rods back then, a lot less sensitive rods. <laughs> right. Like, so I feel like, with advancements in rod technology it allows more room for that mono co-poly to come back in and, and find that balance point for some of that True.
1: Stuff. i actually remember going to a Bassmaster university before like this was when bass put them on back in the day yeah. and yep. and um <clears throat> denny brower said that he did not like fluorocarbon this was when fluorocarbon was coming out because fluorocarbon shattered that's what the word that he used i'll never forget that but I, I think eventually he changed his mind. But that was when they were first coming out with, or like people were really starting to switch to fluoro. That's what he kept saying. He doesn't like fluoro because fluoro stratters where, you know, mono gives you that extra give. Yeah. And, and, and like early
0: fluorocarbon, you know, when fluorocarbon first came, it was mainly designed to be a leader line. It wasn't designed to be a main line. And then obviously fluorocarbon technology has advanced as well. So, um <clears throat> There's a lot of uh, ooh, it's very specific. A red fishing. Uh, went on the Potomac today. Water temp was 38 and muddy. I zeroed. Explain why I suck.
1: <laughs> Water temp was 38. I feel like
0: I, I, feel like, I don't know. was 38. Like, is that normal cold or is that extra cold? And I would imagine with this, like, big Alberta cal- right, Clipper that came down, and like, I'm guessing that was extra cold. And obviously, I would imagine fishing in a lot of the countries pretty tough. Um, muddy and cold is usually not a good thing. Um, yeah.
1: <clears throat> that's pretty it, cold for being muddy It water. probably
0: was tough. Uh, I wouldn't beat yourself up too much. Step back from the edge. Get off the plank. It's, it'll be okay. Tomorrow's a new day. It's going to warm up. You'll be fine.
1: I know you say you like to, you know help people to suck less, but there are days where it doesn't matter. Like you're just going to suck. Like you just, these have are to the days it.
0: that you have to chalk it up that this is the day that will make your next good day that much sweeter.
1: Bam. There you go. Uh
0: Yeah. I definitely think St. Lawrence is definitely one of my bucket. List. I have a lot of bucket lists. Like the Delta clear Lake St. Lawrence, Santee Cooper, um, those are definitely some of them for sure. There's probably other ones. I actually think going to some of the herring lakes when it's like on and fishing those like topwater water or herring spotting, yes. you know, whether that's Murray or Clark's Hill or something like that would be amazing. Um, Mexico, <laughs> I haven't been like racked, some of those lakes. Um, Coronas, Ty would like to go back to Coronas. <laughs> I'd
1: like to go back to Coronas. <clears throat> no, I, I think that, uh, For me, like I've been to St. Lawrence several times, love that fishery, fish a lot of tournaments up there. And uh, the herring thing, like you just said, I didn't even go when it was like a, a herring spawn. I went in September of the year, but the herring still impacted it. And it was one of the most fun fisheries ever. Like it was, and I went to Hartwell, which is a very pressured bass lake. And it was still bonkers, man. Like you could throw a big you know, spook over a brush pile in 25 foot of water and they would just come unloaded on it. And it was amazing. And I loved every minute of that. But for me, it would be out West too. Like you were just saying at the beginning, like I've always wanted to fish the Delta clear Lake. What's that? uh, What's that river out there in Idaho? Is it Idaho or up somewhere in that
0: uh, Columbia river?
1: Yeah. That one Always looks good. There's also a lake that, I don't know where it is, but I know the guy that posts Instagram pictures. He's catching all kinds of seven to nine-pound smallmouth. From Idaho? Yes, I think that's where it is. Yeah,
0: it's like up in that Coeur I don't know if it's Coeur but it's like up in that area.
1: Um, So, big smallies, would love to go there.
0: Honestly, I spent one morning on Logan Martin um when i didn't make the third day cut at a regional uh, on Mm gunnersville and i had a blast throwing jerkbaits for those kusa spots they would i mean it was like you know like when you're throwing jerkbaits at home even with smallies like you're like and it just kind of like loads up like you'd be like and all of a sudden your route would go back the other way and you'd be like like (laughs) i mean they would like literally like jerk back the other way you're like oh my god like and then it'd be like a two pounder but it was like the most amazing jerk jerk jerkbait bite
1: um, yeah, <clears throat> a lot of good lakes. There's a lot Oahu. of good lakes that we don't even know about. That I would love to. Yeah, obviously. there's a lot of.
0: I mean, the big lake in South Dakota that gets talked about is the but there's a lot of uh, little lakes that are just in. There's like like a there's like an area I forget what it's called. Um, there are a bunch of little puddle lakes that have some. That's where the state record was, um, and a lot of guys from Minnesota go and fish those. But those are pretty good. Um peacock bass in south america absolutely fun when ty gets to a million subscribers he said he would take me to peacock bass fishing so <laughs> okay uh, deal we talked about this earlier the buckeyes he's from uh, the columbus area Oh, Buckeyes! Um, uh, the wet dog smell uh first of all kudos very fun handle um <laughs> so it the co-angler thing is for specific tournaments that are boater non-boater pro-am situations like the bfls a lot of the bass nation tvf tournaments uh there's other circuits out there that do the pro-am but basically it's a random draw so you people sign up as a boater people sign up as a co-angler and then it's a random draw um so if you enter that style of tournament, yes, you have to allow the co-angler. That's part of the yeah, signing up process. But there are plenty of tournaments that don't have co-anglers. So if you want to fish with a team partner that you know, or they do have individual tournaments that don't have co-anglers. So it really depends on the format you're signing up for. And you kind of know that when you're signing up. Yeah.
1: Good thing, uh, good thing wants...
0: for anyone to do. Yeah, and it's a great way, a great way to learn um actually there's a follow-up question before we get to this one gabe we'll get back to that because it relates uh this one have either of you had a co fish with you something off the wall that completely changed your tournament strategy
1: i wouldn't say anything that was off the wall but there have been several times where a co has done something that was like oh okay like There was a tournament I fished on Toho, uh, an open, and my co-angler in the back was using a um, a swimming style worm. It was a zoom swim, a speed worm, mm-hmm. but he was dead sticking it weightless like you would a cinco. but he was pitching it into the holes in the pads, and I was using a bait, um, the Gambler Big Easy, where I was just reeling that sucker through the grass, but those fish overnight set up to spawn. We had had a cold front, and then it the two days of the tournament were like 70 80 90 like real quick and those fish started to set up to spawn and my co-angler he had caught like he caught three fish before i'm like all right i need to do something different and then he while i was rigging up something very similar to what he was doing he caught another one and i was like okay and then as soon as i switched over it was i was catching them constantly and it was real easy i was looking for holes in the pads pitch my bait up there and just let that thing sit on the bottom, literally not moving it. I don't know if it being a swimming worm, like a speed worm mattered. You maybe could have done it with a Cinco style bait, but just sat there and that's how I caught all my fish that day. And I know another guy who's won two opens. Um, his name's Whitney Stevens. He's from Ohio too, a really good guy. And he was fishing the same area that I had. We were fishing on that on kind of the North end, the Kissimmee. And I ran into him and I had had a limit and we're calling and he had like one fish, I think. And this was at like a one o'clock in the day. And I'm like, dude, I don't know why they're liking this, but just tie this up, flip it into holes and just sit there and wait. And he he had lost like two big ones and caught three or four in the last two hours doing it. So that was something that was like my co-angler was doing this. And if I hadn't done that also, I would have probably not caught anything because I know how good of an angler Whitney Stevens is and he hadn't caught anything either. So that was that was something that was definitely a – I'm glad I paid attention to what the co was doing Dave. Yeah, I can't think of
0: anything, like, crazy, but I remember one time uh, a co-angler whacking him on an old man's minus one in a tournament and switching to that and catching him, which isn't crazy, but for, it was way different than what I was doing. Like, he was catching him on top of the grass, weed lines, and I was fishing the edges. Um, but there are a lot of times like they get a bite on top water or they get a, or you're doing something opposite. You're fishing fast. They're fishing slow. You're fishing top water. They're fishing the bottom or vice versa or and you just get a little clue. And then it, it's usually more than an adjustment versus a wholesale change. You just have to speed up. You have to slow down. You have to go a heavier weight. You have to go lighter. Um, you know, they're catching them on a drop shot. You're throwing a net or vice versa or like it just small tweaks. Um, yeah so any new baits you're looking forward to checking out what's on on the what's on the 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 hit list
1: um i don't have anything i guess i would say huge that i'm checking out sorry my voice is really starting to go here so if i somebody
0: get him some tea with some honey
1: yeah seriously (laughs) um i have not fished um the berkeley schlobber knocker much um their version of a a a bladed jig and so that's one that i definitely want to put on my radar and and fish and and probably do a video about because i do like chatterbait like a lot like i fish chatterbait a lot so not one i've heard a lot of great things from i just i have three or four of them but i have not fished them so and now it's too cold around here to do anything with so that's one that's on my radar um but you know i i have to look in I have to start looking around, I guess. It's kind of that time of the year where you just kind of start mm-hmm. tinkering with stuff and looking around. I threw uh, a
0: slobber knocker my last trip out, that jerkbait video. I threw it out, I slow rolled it, and a pike swallowed it and took it from me.
1: <laughs> so. Sounds about right.
0: It's, you know, that one cast, it started up nice. Um, it had a good, good good, bobble to it until... <laughs> Bam! Bam! <laughs> The one thing I will say is that the those I'm gonna assume is the same with their jigs and spinner baits. Uh, the, the skirts are like you almost got to comb them out. That power bait skirt seems to mat. Like you got to oh, really I know
1: what at. you're saying. Yeah, um, baby powder. It'll be worth
0: a jig swad. Glad you can make it. We've been having some fun tonight. Uh, Chris says Ty wants the Hellraiser in every color. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think uh, it's got a place. I haven't, I haven't fished it enough um to tell is it is it is it a a one a one b with the you know jackhammer is it is it uh, you know is it is it, is it is it a change up is it a does it do something different does it do something better i don't know like it, will it come through wood better because like you know jack or the the jackhammer is not great on wood so is this bait better on wood or how does it do through, I, mean, I haven't had enough time to put it through the paces by any means um
1: yeah it's, it's going to be one of those things where <clears throat> you happen to be with someone who's fishing it and you're fishing a jackhammer and he's just catching them better. And then you're like, oh, they like that vibration today. You know, it's. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's how one it bait worked. that I got
0: recently that I kind of like. I, I kind of liked it. One, I really liked it because of the name. Right. The, the missile baits, Chunky D. um. It's their new kind of plastic, but I actually like once I got it, I thought it was bigger than this, but it's actually like a really nice, like just a little bit bigger than a minnow scrub, smaller than a yeah. sugar crop. Like it that's uh to me is a nice profile. profile. Like it's you know, you're gonna catch a big fish, you're not gonna exclude much, probably perfect for those finicky Ohio bass. Um yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. I probably will use it more as a jig trailer, honestly, but yeah. Kind of, I'm looking forward to that um otherwise i don't know i haven't really started to think um hellraiser actually looks pretty good i want to kind of try that i've heard something about a cast lures og which is really popular on the herring lakes right now It's like a. it kind of sounds like a bigger version of almost the riser it's got like that like dipping diving coming out of the water action it's got more of a saltwater turned so i've heard some cool things about that i don't know but we'll see I'll probably end up catching all my fish on a jig and a general by the time. Them, you know,
1: but. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> that's how it always works. One of these days, I'm just going to take that, those rods out completely of the boat. Like I'm not allowed to throw the five lures that I know I'm going to catch fish on. So just take there's them a, out. There, there's a video
0: title right there. Did you guys hear that? Yeah. That's what, that's, what, that's it. That's it. Video title. It, you know, you're <clears throat> all consumed when you start to like think of your days in the future as a video title.
1: yeah (laughs) or like you do like one of my best videos ever views wise was the one where i did the jackal bounty fish but i didn't know what to title it and i didn't want to title it jackal bounty fish right but during that video i said i may never fish a frog again yeah because i was fishing and i caught them and i was like comparing it to a frog then i was like i'm just gonna put that up there bam blew up
0: Uh Greg posted this earlier and I saw there was a second part to it. He said what lake in Texas would you choose as a I think it was as a winter fishing trip.
1: Um probably none of the famous ones. Um I feel like no one no one like all all lakes like if anything I would probably go to I guess OHIV is pretty famous now but like I don't know lakes enough in Texas to know which one but I'm not going to go to like a fork I'm not going to go to uh, Rayburn. You know, those are all ones that, man, they just get murdered with tournaments. Like, if I'm going to go fun fish. So, that's th- that's I what I I think a
0: guy do. could go to Falcon and Amistad right now. And I think down low, they're both on an upswing.
1: Or, yeah, they've been. You're right. They, they've been kind of down for a while. Literally, in figure two. And if you go to
0: Falcon, my dad could put you on some monster crappies, Greg. So, just let me know. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> Do you yes. change out? Yeah. Stock hooks on a KVD square bill?
1: Yeah. I mean, I pretty much change stock hooks on everything except for a lot of the, like a lot of the Berkeley baits now come with a Fusion 19 on them, which I do mm-hmm. like this hook. It's a brittle hook. So it's like, it doesn't bend out, but it'll break. So you just have to be cautious about that. But it's a very sharp hook. But a lot of the KVD, hooks I'm going to change or a lot of the strike king hooks I'm going to change out that hook cuz those ones will bend out this st- and here's the thing if you're just going out for fun fishing it's one thing you're probably going to catch 80% 90% of the bass but like if it's a money situation I mean rich you know this like you want to have every detail pinned down so in that situation I am going to change it out usually it's going to be a KVD like I do like on the square bills I do like the KVD um Mustad triple grip. Uh, must add or... triple grip. I do like that hook, and a lot of times I think that that hook works so well because a lot of times when I fish a, when I fish a square bill, I'm fishing it a lot around wood, deflecting it off wood. And a lot of times when you deflect it off wood, and a bass gets it, they get it from either the underneath or from the side. And so if they're doing that, they usually get the bait pretty good. Like they engulf it in those KVDs. Like once they once they hook them, they're not letting them go. But other crankbaits that dig into the bottom, sometimes I don't always like those KVD ones. I think the round bins will hook them a little bit better. I don't know if that makes sense.
0: <clears throat> yeah, I, I I don't change hooks until I get to a tournament. I will fish stock hooks, fun fishing, pre-fishing. I know a lot of there's a lot of people that like literally they get their baits. Right, they take all the hooks off. They put their new favorite Gamagatsu owner, or whatever, and that's how they store them in their box.
1: Yeah, I don't change it
0: until I feel like I, something's on the line. Um, yeah,
1: and that's smart. I I used to be the same way. The only time I change them now is for videos. Like if I know because one or two fish could really make a big difference on the outcome of a video. So now I do do that almost like a tournament situation where yeah. it's like I want to make sure I catch that fish if I get hooked. So.
0: And to be honest, I don't throw crankbaits that much, but, <laughs> um, and we've got so many dumb fish up here. I don't have to change hooks for, uh, videos. So, um, uh, but when you, when you're fishing a lake that only has four bass in it in Ohio, you got to keep your hook sharp for a video, right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. Thanks Mr. Gambit for the kind words. Um, have you tried the new money badger?
1: Yeah, I, I I haven't fished it, but I have like six or seven of them and they look really good. I mean, I think it's supposed to, I don't know if it's supposed to be similar to the DT six. They don't look that similar, but like, I really like the Fritz side, you know, and I use this Mm -hmm. a ton in cold water. And so I am anxious to use that, that money badger a little bit more. And it kind of has a similar bottom to it where they're, they're smaller profile baits that you can cast really well, which is why I like that Fritz side so much.
0: Yeah. The only problem, the one thing I've noticed, Fritz sites do not like hitting,
1: the bills do not like hitting
0: objects. <laughs> That's Those true. bills are not durable. That's true. It's probably me. I need to be a better caster, but, uh...
1: well, and like a Fritz side for me, I use primarily in cold water and in mm-hmm. cold water, Water, especially if you're smacking baits on the bot, like on the water to clear them of grass or whatever, like they're going to break a lot in cold water. Like I used to blow out DT6 bills all the time because I use them specifically in cold water. And then I'd slap them against the water to clear some snot grass off. And I'd come back with just a bill. So <clears throat> I think that cold water does not make him that great. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense.
0: Um, I have used the Seagar SmackDown braid. I'm not a braid snob. Like I, I don't know. Like (laughs) I got probably like five or six different kinds of braids. Uh, I'm not super particular on my braid. Um, So I thought it was fine.
1: Are you a, a higher strand guy or a lower strand guy? Like, do you like the nine, eight, nine strand carriers or do you like the four, five? I
0: wish I could say I paid enough attention.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Like your, a lot of your Suffolk stuff is like a, a nine carrier. Yeah. It's a more limp braid. And then like traditional Power Pro is like a four carrier. Yeah. So they're just different. Like I actually mm-hmm. like the lower carriers that are a little bit more stiffer than the real Forcer. limp stuff. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit more coarse. I just, I'm interested. My one buddy, yeah. he, he uses a lot of higher carrier braids. And I just, I've had a, they tend to get more wind knots, especially when mm-hmm. you're using like 10 pound tests, which that's what I use primarily on my spinning rods is 10 pound braid, uh, you know, six, eight, 10 pound fluorocarbon leader. But I like the, I like the lower carrier braids. So
0: yeah, there's, I had, uh, uh, Justin Lucas on for about 17 minutes before his cell phone died. Um, I think he did it on purpose. Um, but he did a, he did a great explanation on why he likes the, whatever the, uh, X, was a Berkeley? as an X5 and an X9 or X whatever, right? And he like broke it down when he likes which one and like how he, like he liked the coarser stuff for his finesse and then he liked the higher carrier braids for his like frog and flip and okay. that kind of stuff. And then I've seen I'm, like Welcher. I'm similar.
1: I'm similar in that way too then.
0: <laughs> Welcher go down that same thing and gave a very convincing explanation why he liked it the other way.
1: <laughs> that's how, that's fishing, man. Yeah, like that he thought like that coarser braid
0: for flipping and frogging, because he thought like it was more like a serrated knife. When he ripped it through the vegetation, it would actually like saw
1: through. Yeah,
0: so that's why he. The nice, liked. But then, for, I don't know. So
1: the nice thing about the higher carriers for flipping specifically is they're a lot less. They're a lot more quiet. You know, when you're yo-yoing, mm-hmm. especially if you're fishing like Kissimmee grass down south or or harder grass, they are not making that <laughs> noise constantly. I can't even make that noise. My voice is toast.
0: It doesn't matter how your eyeballs are when that suck <laughs>
1: regardless. That's true. My 33 year old eyeballs hate it too. So, <laughs> uh,
0: I haven't fished the free rig enough. That's another thing that I want to do more of. Um, so I, I wish I had a better answer for you, Sean, maybe by the, uh, middle of summer this year, I'll have a better answer. We can, we can, maybe I'll be, Confident enough that I will do a free rig video because I feel like I've figured something out there. But there's a lot of guys that do really well, and I've built a lot of confidence in the free rig right?
1: I know for the Texas rig though, like if if you if you absolutely don't need to peg it, like I don't, I don't know if you're that way. Like obviously flipping grass, you're probably going to peg a lot, but yeah. you know flipping wood, I do a lot around here, and if I can get away with not pegging it, you're going to get more bites, one hundred percent.
0: There you go. The only problem is like if it's like
1: twiggy rushy wood yeah but then twiggy. if you like
0: miss you flip it. yeah
1: that's very true it's that twiggy but if it's like bigger you know where it seems like bass usually like the bigger stuff anyways but that twiggy stuff yeah that'll mess you up
0: <clears throat> this is an interesting conundrum Dadbot says would you pay an extra buck or two if striking had better hooks a big reason i go six cents I don't know. I'm almost the other way sometimes. I think like I'm surprised more companies don't sell baits without hooks. <laughs> because like, you know, like or could you special order them or like uh I don't know. Some people are so picky on hooks that it's like they're gonna throw away anything that's on that bait because they're gonna put on their this very specific hook, right? So it's like yeah. these these bait these bait companies are in a really like tough spot, I think sometimes because it's like who are they catering to? They really have to understand their demographic and what they're after to some degree. There is no, I think, right answer to that yeah. question.
1: I think, I think, like, I do, because Sixth Sense, I think, puts a, a triple grip on their baits. At least some of them, I think they do. And, like, Berkeley, like I talked about, they have the Fusion 19, just I don't mind. I do like knowing that I can just take something out of the package in a tournament and just throw it and not have to worry about twisting a hook on. But like you said, as a business standpoint, it probably makes sense for guys, for a company to just put as low, not low quality, but as sharp, low costing hook as they can. Cause no matter what you put on there, it could be a really high quality hook. But like you said, someone's going to like a Gamagatsu round bend or an owner round bend over a KVD triple grip and vice versa. And those are all quality hooks. So.
0: Yeah. A lot of hookup engines in here. (laughs) Yeah. The, uh, I'm pretty sure the Sixth Sense, it is like a, it is an EW style hooks. I don't think they're triple grips, but they're that style of hook. I don't, I think they have their own hook, but I'm not sure.
1: Um, I I want to say that for a while they were putting on hmm. must ads. Maybe. I don't know if they still do, but I, I swear I do remember seeing that back in the day. It could be, it could be for sure.
0: Yeah. I think I think the problem is the new hooks get so niche that it, there's probably not a big enough market for it. Uh, but I've always thought guys like AJ and TK and some of these custom painters. I'm surprised they don't do more uh, no hook options. Like yeah. a lot of the late, a lot of what goes into the cost of a custom painted bait is the time, and to take the hooks off or take put the hooks back on. Like uh, I'd rather my money go to what they are really specialized in and that's for the painting. I I can put hooks on my paint. <laughs> so it's like um you know if that if that that's turns true. that uh, $25 crankbait into a $24 crankbait I'll put the hooks on. I don't know, but uh... <clears throat> Yeah, so well happy new year Brandon. Uh hope you catch fish tomorrow. Uh, we are cooking on two hours. We were at about 150. We're hanging in around uh 135, still a lot of people hanging out. So that's awesome. Um the bellows gill, I assume, is what Carl's talking about. I've dabbled with it, but I keep putting it down too quick. Um, that is one of the baits along with the free rig in combination. I know it's a good bait, but I just haven't like swim baits, make 10 casts of it, and then I pick up a jig or something that I like. But I believe yeah. in it, I just haven't had the couple bites to like lock it in
1: and give me the confidence. And that's the that's the one that's just like kind of bluegill <clears throat> shaped like almost, right? Lugel. Yeah. Yeah. Ribbed. Yeah. I uh my butt I had a I had a friend who was flipping with that a lot this year and he caught some on it. I mean it wasn't we didn't notice anything special, but I'm sure mm-hmm. it just has that profile that is different. So that can make a difference sometimes.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's actually not that different than that nugget, right? Like that.
1: Yeah, kind of the same profile-ish.
0: Is it worth money to pour your own jigs? I think it can be. That's really like a person to person. Um, I think, I mean, there's it kind of depends on what you fish. I know there's like a lot of guys that fish the Great Lakes, right? That they will literally go through 30 jigs a day. Right. Like tube jigs, drop shot weights, things like that, where they're yeah. literally like fishing and snaggy reefs. And like they would rather break it off 10 out of 10 times than go up there and like unhook it and spook a school of potentially 20 to 25 pound smallies. Right. Um, um, I don't lose a lot of jigs like my main flipping jigs. Um, if I fish on Vermilion all the time and I have throwing drop shots and tube jigs and football jigs up there, I'd probably pour my own because you could literally it would be nothing to go through 20, 30 in a day. Uh, ned heads, things like that. Um,
1: yeah, I definitely there's like you said, like ned heads and football, like football heads for swim baits. Like, I pour all those because you do go through so many. Like you just said, a couple of areas, a couple of lakes I fish around here, I fish them a lot, and I would rather break them off than go up there and disturb a, a possible school of two to three pounders in my case. So
0: <clears throat> it's a school of 14 inches. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, and it kind of depends. It kind of depends on the kind of person you are, right? Like, or what your job is or what do you do, right? Like if you're a person that enjoys crafting, tinkering, garage stuff, absolutely. You might find it super rewarding. Um, me, I probably would tell myself, Rich, in the four hours you spent pouring lead maybe you should just made two more videos and then you probably could just buy some more jigs <laughs> or whatever or, or whatever like if you uh right uh in a job where you could maybe uh work an hour of overtime to buy those jigs yeah. so it kind of depends right like um where your time versus value curve and what kind of person you are right so yeah. um
1: i like a lot of the the boss jigs too like <clears throat> i i still have three or four boxes that just have straight box or the those heads in them, the boss jig heads and then i have a ton of skirts so it's like if you get to a lake and you know that they're eating a golden shiner and you want to add a little gold to your jig and you have it like it's like a dollar 50 and they come painted and ready to go literally just slip a skirt on and the skirts are usually like 75 cents so Two dollars, two dollars, 25 cents for a jig versus what you might pay in the store for one that's put together, which is anywhere from three to eight dollars, I guess, or ten dollars for some jigs. Then,
0: yeah, was that a shot that block it jig? Was
1: oh, what? No, what What? (laughs) was that?
0: Yeah, I actually like, regardless, I do keep um, I have my favorite jig colors, but I always do keep a handful of bare heads and a handful of skirts just to, to, to tinker with occasionally for sure um i know that for a fact that he has because there's a very yeah. striking thumbnail with a bright chartreuse cover scat Did it they actually make that color or did you like doctor that photo
1: yeah no that's 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 they made it and i bought okay. it for the thumbnail so <laughs> <laughs> but I, I used it a little in the video but it was just enough that i knew i could use it for a thumbnail but when I saw it I'm like you know these are the things that us you and I have to think about big time going into video making is what's the thumbnail gonna be and so I saw that and I knew I was already gonna do a video on it and so but yeah the cover scats it's a it's just an interesting bait you know it's it's just interesting to me like it catches them I caught a bunch on them actually like to work it a lot more as like almost like a frog like top water you can skip the thing a mile you know you can skip a lot of those things because they're so heavy and I mean shaped like a turd so <clears throat> <But> yeah
0: <laughs> there you go shitty troubles only no baits perfect what's up gramps good to see you Sean says the Bellows Gill 3.8 was his best bait of the year. I totally believe it. Like, I just feel like I just need to figure out the situation and the rig for me and get a couple good bites on it. And then like, um, Uh, I wouldn't know. <laughs> I can't bring myself. I've, 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 ref- I've skipped the click enough times. YouTube doesn't recommend them to me anymore. <laughs> uh, wow, two hours flies when you're having fun. Oh. Yeah. So I don't know. And yeah. I guess I feel like we've kind of caught up on questions. So I guess uh, last call for questions. If you didn't, uh, if I missed it, or you want to throw one back out there um we'll probably got to get ty off here so he can rest his his weary throat or he won't be able to talk the rest of the week um
1: not, not gonna be able to cheer the buckeyes on tomorrow now
0: that's right he's gotta he's gotta get some tea and some honey in that and <laughs> there's probably some bulldog fans in here that care less whether you can cheer for the yeah I bet tomorrow, there is.
1: and there's just a lot of ohio state haters which i understand but
0: <clears throat> yeah i mean if you live where i live where they're gophers like we're just hope you know we just somehow get nine wins one year. So we get the right to get to the game and get blown up by Michigan or Ohio state.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the Gophers had a couple of really good years there. Like, yeah. And then kind of flip flop this year, but yeah.
0: Nice. Uh I saw this Gator ass. I think we kind of talked about this. Maybe you came in new Technique for 2023. To me, it's like recycling the same old ones again. I want big baits, free rig, uh, chickens, like preacher jigs. Um, those are probably the three. And then I dabbled with heavy chatter baits this year. Probably do a little more that. So. Yeah. I would
1: say big big baits for me. I'd also like to do a lot more with, um, jigging spoons in general. Mm. That's something I just haven't done a whole lot of. Um, there's a few times that I've been on Kentucky Lake and I've done the five, six-inch spoon, but to do that 10- or 12-inch spoon, but just that in general, I'd love to do a little bit more of. I
0: have a saddened Husker fan in here.
1: <laughs> hey, you know what? Uh, Huskers may have just stole a – they don't know yet, but, the hey, the top recruit of 2024 – who flip flop from Ohio State?
0: Yeah, I think <laughs> I think I did touch on this. Uh, uh, big swim baits are almost always on my list, uh, and almost never do as much as I should. Um, so Patrick said he got a fifty dollars Christmas gift card. I'm assuming it's to omnia or a tackle warehouse or some shop uh how do i spend it to what, what would be the best bang for a buck 50 bucks to suck less or improve your success
1: it's a good question that's actually a really good question
0: it, it's hard <clears throat> to guess... answer without knowing like where you are in your maturity curve as an angler <laughs> um hmm
1: that's true. And it also depends on like, Hey, do you want to go out and catch a lot of fish yeah, with or do success, you want to go out like, and try yeah. a new technique? <clears throat> Cause you could spend $50 on one glide bait and that I could see that being really great, you know, trying to figure out whole glide baiting, but you could also buy a bunch of sinkos and wacky rig hooks and go catch a bunch of fish. So
0: I would say advice, stay simple. Colors wise, don't get too far right if you're going to buy a yeah. moving bait crankbait square bill spinner bait stick with your kind of shads right uh if you're going to buy some soft plastics, stick with your green pumpkins black and blues for the most part don't don't spend your money on a bunch of wild unique colors you know um yep
1: Keep it simple, that's a good always. question
0: it's hard to without knowing more it makes me want to ask like 10 more questions patrick um
1: I mean, with fifty bucks, you could buy a Texas rig. You know, for instance, you could buy a pack of green pumpkin cinco's or whatever stick worm, and probably a pack of black and blue. Then you could buy kind of a lure that is more because that's kind of like the bottom of the water column. Then you could buy something that's in the middle of the water column, like uh, a chatter bait, you know, <clears throat> or or a bait that kind of rides there, spinner bait. And then you could buy a top water. So you could kind of cover all aspects with your $50 of top water to the bottom. And that way you have everything that you need when you go pond fishing or out on the boat.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. Some good, good comments right, tackle craft really going in on this treble hook, only no bait split rings, maybe a, a stub of tied knot to it or line to it. Um, yeah, I think that's good. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think stick to basic things, proven winners. I think shopping off maybe like some of the best sellers list on Omni and Tackle Warehouse. Like there's a reason that Speedcraws and Max and Generals and Senkos and, you know, 3.8 K and some of those baits are, are and, and Jackhammers and Chatterbait Customs and things like that are, I mean, like there's a reason they're the top sellers because they catch a lot of fish. So if you need to get better, uh, at those techniques you know i would focus in on that and build confidence in that and then you can kind of build off those you know foundational blocks um definitely whatever you do don't buy a plano edge box that's f- i've never caught a bass on a tackle box so don't spend fifty dollars on a tackle box
1: <laughs> that would be a great video too though yeah
0: i tried one off of my- uh catch one on that's box. true if it's at Omnia, you can use my code and uh, extend that to a $60. So that's, that's a great point, Chris. Uh, we are running out last tomorrow's the last day to use the current Omnia code. There will be a new one next month. Um, cool. All right. Anything else? Give us any sneak peeks. What's what's, what, what can we watch for in January on the uh, Bass Fishing HQ?
1: Um. Probably the video that I'm most pumped about, which I, I'm going to, I did a video on the world record largemouth, mouth and it did really well. Like it's got probably 700,000 views on it. And with the recent occurrence of like that, I'm sure you saw that guy who caught a 10.15 eerie mm-hmm. small mouth. I kind of want to do a video based upon the world record small mouth. And so that's probably going to be coming out in January. Um, just because it'll be more of an animation type video, kind of what I call animated, where i it's just a voiceover with a bunch of images. So <clears throat> that'd probably be the big one. and then there's definitely gonna be a little bit of a change of content um, just over next year. Um so I'm really pumped about that um, just to try to spice things up a little bit and continue to continue to grow. so.
0: Uh, yes gator the code percentage will remain the same for omnia in 2023 um, yeah that's cool yeah obviously because it's cold and you're not fishing much it gives you more time to to edit and do all that that fun stuff and it'll, it'll distract you from realizing you're not outside fishing
1: yeah usually this time of the year like january i make a trip down to florida and i haven't decided if i want to go down there or go somewhere like in tennessee um, i kind of want it to be cold but not like like Florida is just such different fishing, you know, as you know, like just grass, mm-hmm. like obviously people who live in Florida, people who live in Texas can relate, but it probably doesn't relate to as many people. <clears throat> so going to maybe somewhere in like Tennessee is what I'm kind of looking at right now. So that'll nice. be probably coming out more in February though.
0: Are you still working on that second channel?
1: Um, In a way I've, I've been delving in, into deciding what i want to do as far as uh post that content that i would on my second channel just on bass fishing hq or post it on the other channel it 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 just depends on my audience and how i like i did a video here recently where it's when i went on Erie, and it, it did really really well and that's a video that i would traditionally would have posted on the other channel and so I'm just trying to figure out how I want to go about it because it, it, this is YouTube talk stuff. So you probably <laughs> would be bored, but
0: yeah, but. yes, you know, you're not sure what you're doing, but you still have it uh, still thinking about what to do with the second channel. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Nice. Yeah. Gramps went to Florida and he went right when uh, the iguanas were falling out of the trees. Um, if people want to check out the other one, what's it's just Thai burger fishing. Is that the second one? The other one's
1: just my name. Yeah, it's just Tyler Berger. There's not many videos. There's like four or five videos, I think, even on there. So it's, it's something I thought I was going to really push. And then I decided to buy a house or be in the house market and it took up all my extra time. So yeah.
0: Yeah. Originally it was going to be where your tournament fishing was hosted, kind of was the original thought, I believe. But
1: yes. And and I still, like when I do the opens, hopefully in 2024, it still might go on there. I'm just, I, I'd i like to, I, I'd love, I'm just trying to figure out what's best to do um, because you can get into, like, I love educating first and foremost. But, you know, if I present it in the right way where it's still educating, but it's, you know, content that's a little bit different, I think it can still work. So I'm just kind of the baiting and and trying to think of exactly what i want to do so yeah cool
0: awesome appreciate it dude uh thanks so much for coming on it was a blast look forward to talking more following along um happy new year's everybody stay warm um and uh as always here to help you guys catch more big bass and suck less
1: don't suck